on the season finale of Buffy, when Buffy goes to sleep. Buffy, are you sure you want to play there? I'm okay. It's not coming for me yet. She will join her friends in the world of dreams. Something's after us. Where nightmares couldn't harm them. What's after me? Now look into the light. Until now. Where are my friends? Buffy! Buffy! That's not the way out. The season finale of Buffy. <laughs> Welcome to Sportelia, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. It's a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. This week's episode is the season four finale, Restless. So we'll be talking about plot, we'll be talking about characters, and we'll be talking about dreams. Hey, what are those about? So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, the comics, and possibly, probably, even other shows and movies. So won't you join us, please, dear listener? to finally remember the softer side of Sears. Welcome back, everyone. But most especially, my co-host number one, Stacia, say hello. Hello. Co-host number Cherry Tomato, say hello. I walk, I talk, I shop, I sneeze. I'm going to be the fireman when all the floods roll back. There's trees in the desert since you moved out, and I don't sleep on a bed of bones. Now give me back my podcast. Ooh, very nice. What is, why does she want to be a fireman? Anyway, my name's Kelly, and I'm here to ask the big questions like, what does Buffy mean when she says she's going to be a fireman? What's a fireman? fireman? Yeah, what, what is that? Wow. All right. Well, we're here to talk about <laughs> episode 22 of season four, also known as the finale, also known as Restless, originally aired on May 23rd of the year 2000, written and directed by none other than Joss Whedon of Joss Whedon fame. This is the 14th of 19 that he has written and directed and the 20th of 26 that he has written total. So the last one he wrote and directed was Who Are You? And the next one will be Family. So that's season five, episode six, when Tara's family comes to town. Uh, so... I wanted to, and I'm going to try to not spend a whole lot of time on this. What happened to this episode? Our four friends fell asleep, and then they woke up. Get much sleep last night? So. I got hot chocolate. <laughs> a nice <laughs> offer from Joyce That's, in the middle of the night. You're goddamn right. What an amazing offer from Joyce. What a great mom, I guess. <laughs> any kind of ranking later in the episode. Propositioning Xander, sure, but. She didn't do shit. That was all. All right. You know what? I don't want to get ahead of myself, because there are quite a few firsts. In this episode, remember first? Remember when I used to be able to take, you know, track stuff because everything was new and novel? Not anymore, though. Riley and Joyce, first time they ever meet each other, mm-hmm. which obviously Joyce makes a, a point to, to Buffy. Uh, appearance, first appearance of Sinea, the first slayer. First mention of Dawn by name. Now, we can count this or we cannot count this. And there's a lot of Dawn shit, which I'm just going to go over briefly right now. Be back before Dawn. So Tara says, obviously, be back before Dawn at the end in Buffy's dream. But I don't know if we can count that as naming Dawn because we don't know Dawn's a person, so I don't know. Uh, there's also the clock, the alarm clock. Now, we the 730 thing was the graduation day um, reference, right, when they're making the dream, making the bed in the dream sequence between Faith and Buffy. She says, Little Miss Buffy counting out from 730, which is supposed to be when Buffy's going to die in two years in season five. And then Tara says, the clock's all wrong because it's no longer been two years. Anyway, if you look at the clock, it's a Sony clock radio yes the o and the y are blacked out so it says sn and then directly below that it says am like the sun in the morning which means dawn whoa mind blown okay there's another one 
Tara hands a Buffy a, a tarot card, the Manus, because that's what she is, the hand, right? But if you read it upside down, it says, son, A-M, whoa, done, it means done. And also... I caught none of that. I, I didn't caught absolutely catch any of it either because I think it's such a reach and it, I don't think it was intentional because Joss Whedon did the commentary for this episode uh, on the DVD and it didn't. he didn't say any of this shit, so... Why I just thought because it's morning and she it. said it's late and, and that's they, the joke. Yes. And then they also count. And she showed us the Manus card because. We saw it before. Right. Uh, and then in the Willow and Tara or Willow dream at the beginning, the Willow Tara scene, um, they open up the curtains and it's, it's morning like it's dawn. But that's not even true. It's just bright because it's a fucking desert. So anyway, that's what the internet's take on all the dawn shit. Leave it behind. Yes. Where it belongs. I've seen this episode quite a few times in the series as a whole. A bunch. I know. I like to brag. But. The, I never got this, that all the Scoobies are killed in the way that they're the tarot cards. They're killed the way that their tarot cards are. And I never clocked that my whole life watching the show because uh, Willow has her soul sucked out of her. She's spirit, right? right. Xander has his heart ripped out. He's yeah. the heart. Giles ha- is, gets sco- fucking scalped. Yeah, He's the mind. Yeah. And Buffy gets in a fist fight with the first yeah. the hand. And I was like, man, fuck you guys. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's clever. It's pretty, good. It's pretty, it's pretty clever because I didn't get that. Ever. Uh, only this episode, Restless and Once More in Feeling, have credits before the episode starts. Mm-hmm. So usually there's a cold open and then we get... But not this one, which I think is a, a nice effective move that we... Only, like, I'm glad that we only use it twice because I, I feel like it. if you're going to do a big set piece like this, it, it's good to not have it broken up. This is the first finale without Angel and Cordelia, which obviously... Last appearance of Armin Shimmerman, Principal Snyder, oh, Seth Green, awesome. and uh, Fina Arushe. She's the one that plays Olivia. So this is the last oh, time yeah. any of those three people are ever on the show. Hmm. And in that vein, Joss actually wanted a bunch of people back for this episode. He wanted to get everybody could, especially to fill out Willow's high school scene, right? Like he wanted Larry back. He mm. wanted Cordelia. He wanted to uh, have Amy back. He wanted everybody. Um, but specifically, he wanted Cordelia back to tease Willow in that scene. He wanted uh, Faith back to do the the scene with Tara at the beginning Thank of, the, it, God, of Buffy's dream with the... <laughs> With the bed, just because of the continuity of like yeah, yeah, the seven three zero dream and all that stuff, and then she wanted or he wanted Angel back actually for the uh, desert scene with Tara to act as the voice of Sanaa as opposed to Tara, and I was like, that ah, I could see it, I could kind of see that, but I'm glad. I mean, it's cool that it would be a vampire doing the voice, especially to see him in the sun and stuff like seeing him in the sun that would be really cool always too. jarring, especially in like such a bright. Damn, I wonder why they obviously they could, the but maybe on the lot, right? I know, but I'm, it's contracts, right? It's yeah, like you're. So. I don't know. I'm also kind of grateful for another reason that that didn't that didn't happen. It's a different because, show. It's a different show. We don't need to have. The... Yeah, this is the last episode scored by Christophe Beck, which is a fucking what shame. I mean, not the last last one, but this is the last one. He was on every episode of the season. He only does three more after this: the body, the gift, and once more feeling. That's the last time he scores an episode. Oh, which is so who's back? I'll be back. Yeah, but not like as the guy. Yeah. Like, he did every single episode of this season and the season before. He just does the big ones. Yeah. That must be demoralizing for the new guy. <laughs> Oh, whose name is Thomas Wanker. Oh, cool. Not good enough for those ones. Good enough. Yeesh. All right. I've made a little space for the cheese slices. I don't know if you know this, but this episode is about dreams. And it's... You can get really in the weeds about, like, dream symbolism and stuff, I think. Because there's, like... I don't know. There's, like, a whole industry about it. and Or, like, a whole school of thought. And I don't know. Tell me about Dream Station. I can give you the long version or I can give you the short version. The short version is dreams are all bullshit. Great, and that's just I'm like sure this episode. Whoa. I was gonna throw that in there for you, but Fire. you did it. I'm glad you you came with it, and I can't wait to get your take. But first, tell me about dreams. Okay, 
So everyone dreams, even babies. Even if you don't remember your dreams, scientists have found evidence that people dream. We generally dream about two hours a night, usually between five and 20 minutes each. So you have about five dreams a night. This happens during rapid eye movement, REM, stage of sleep. So it's the closest to being conscious that you are while you're asleep. Um, but your body is paralyzed. So you can't act out the movements, but your brain thinks it's awake, I guess. Yeah. Um, the way the body, the brain works when you're asleep, it like the processes for encoding memories are not super great. So generally, like memories of dreams are super fleeting and you don't remember like 95% of the dreams that you have within like a few minutes of waking up. They kind of just disappear. Um, however... Dreams are a known phenomenon that go back millennium, and it's been something that people have thought about and talked about basically since language was invented. <laughs> Before I get into the history of it, they have found general um, trends that happen with dreams across people. One is that um, men tend to dream more aggressive content about weapons and about hurting people quite a lot more often. <laughs> Whereas women tend to dream about being hurt (laughs) and being isolated and being alone a lot more often. Women also tend to have more conversations in their dreams than men do. Um, Whereas men have dreams that involve a lot more physical activity. Also, women tend to dream more about people. Like they have more characters they interact with in their dreams, which makes sense if you're having conversations with them. Um, And then there's a lot of common themes that most people or a lot of people experience. One is flying, being naked in public, being late for like a test or something important, Um, your teeth falling out. Yeah. Um, Have you ever had that dream? No, but. Me either. That's such like a common thing. Yeah. Um, And then people tend to dream about negative things more often than positive things yeah that's not surprising the like oldest evidence we have about dream interpretation are like people thinking about what do dreams mean dates back to 3100 bc the ancient sumerians in mesopotamia um left little little evidence in there not hieroglyphics but whatever pictograms of sanskrit of like little bubbles with talking about yeah dreams (laughs) um See what you get for taking French instead of Sumerian? In a lot of ancient societies, dreams were considered like a means of communication with deities. Like it was like divine information that gods are trying to tell you. Right. And so often priests would be called upon to like interpret dreams of important people like pharaohs or kings or mm-hmm. emperors or whatever. Um, the Babylonians and the Assyrians just... I'd, divided dreams into good dreams which were sent by gods and bad dreams that were sent by demons so you wanted to be able to determine which was which um and the ancient greeks thought the dreams were like prophecies or omens that you could interpret and then like you know move the future to your will i guess right you have this dream it's a good omen to go and do the thing yes Yeah. yeah um Or, like, if you have a dream that you're going to win the battle, then you want to do what you dreamed about doing to win the battle, that kind of thing. Like, it it tells you what steps you should take to get the outcome that you want. Um, And this is kind of the thinking behind dreams for a lot of time. The biggest shift in, like, the idea about what does a dream mean comes with Freud. Of course. Which apparently, Peter said, was, like, this is a strict Freudian dream type, this episode. Yeah, so Freud published um, a book called The Interpretation of Dreams in 1899. 
And he basically argued his entire um, theory about dreams is that it's wish fulfillment. It's all the things that you wish you could have, but you can't have. And sometimes it's like traumatic stuff, like you're dealing with childhood trauma, like you wish you could have had a happier childhood or something like that. Um, He also talked about how like human adults have so much like bullshit in their lives that they bring into it that it's not like an easy one-to-one comparison which is why you get into the dream interpretation because you can't just take the thing that you see in your dream as like a literal meaning or object like it could symbolize something else whereas like infants are not so bogged down with all this other stuff that their dreams are very like pure and like (laughs) non-symbolic So you know? <laughs> so we came up with these different ideas of ways that the true meaning of your dream, like the real significance of what your brain is trying to tell you is like coded. He has condensation, which is when one dream object stands for several associations or ideas. So it can mean multiple things at once. Why are you still in costume? Okay, still having to explain where this is just my outfit. Willow, everybody already knows. Take it off. Um... Displacement, which is the emotional significance of an object is not the same as the actual object. Costumes, sets, um, the things that you, uh, you know, uh, you um, you hold them, you touch them, uh, use them. Um... Props? No. Props? Yes. It's like really important family piece of jewelry or something, like it wouldn't have that emotional significance in the dream that would be placed onto Uh, something that's not that piece of jewelry. Oh, interesting. Um, Visualization, which is a thought that's translated into visual images. What else could I expect from a bunch of low-rent, no-account hoodlums like you? Hoodlums, yes, I mean you and your friends, your whole sex. Throw them in the sea for all I care. Throw them in and wait for the bubbles, men with your groping and spitting all groin, no brain, three billion of you passing around the same worn-out earth. Men with your sails. And then symbolism, which is a symbol that represents some sort of idea or, or, yeah, thought or theme or something. Mom? Oh, hi, honey. Why are you living in the walls? Oh, Oh, sweetie, no, I'm fine here. Don't worry about me. It looks dirty. Well, it seems that way to you. I made some lemonade, and I'm learning how to play mahjong. You go find your friends. I think they might be in danger. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, dear. <laughs> um, a mouse is playing with my knees. I, I really don't think you should live in there. Well, you could probably break through the wall. Um... So he basically got a lot of flack for this because he really likes talking about sex. Yes. And he got pretty peeved because a lot of people thought that he was just saying that all your dreams are just like your unfulfilled sexual desires. And he's Which like, was like his MO, right? I know. Well, that's what it's kind of become, too. That's, like, yeah. When you think of it, Freud, you think of sex. You yeah. Think all men want to sleep with their mother. All daughters want to sleep with their father. Like, yeah, all women are sad. They don't it. have a penis. Right. Yeah. That's it. But he was very, very upset because he's like, if you read my book, you'd understand it's not just about sex. It's really about like all of your like human needs and like how do you fulfill those desires so it can be sex but it's also like you know like emotional fulfillment and like you know all that stuff so that's basically the leading theory up into the 1970s and faraday introduces the idea of do-it-yourself dream interpretation (laughs) 
That's so, what I know. People like, <laughs> yeah, right. tell me your dream. I'll tell you what it means. It's like, what? Yeah. And, um, but so basically she is like publishing these DIY books about how to understand what your dream is trying to tell you, what your subconscious is trying to tell you. Um, and this is like, she's like, here are some ideas of what these things could mean, but you have to recognize this is individual to each person. So you can't just be like a whale means prosperity. And if you dream about a whale, it means you're going to be rich or something like that's not really how it works, but that. You know, it's like the same idea kind of as the Greeks, where if you dream that you're going to fail a test, it probably means you're unprepared and you should be studying for your test. Yeah, like self-fulfilled um, kind of things. Yeah. Um, but it could also be on another level where if you're dreaming about failing a test, but you don't actually have a test to take, it's because you're dreaming about failing in some other level of your life. So, you, again, individually applicable or whatever. And she also acknowledges that generally you dream about the things that you've been thinking about for the past day. And that's the thing that Freud also acknowledged. He had like a specific phrase for it, but basically it was like, when you're dreaming, you're dreaming about this like detris of your day that's kind of attached to your dream, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, that's what I experience. <clears throat> Whenever I remember a dream, it's always like very related to something that just happened. Yeah, I feel like it's that or it's something completely unrelated. Or no, I mean, even when I have like, recurring zombie dreams it's because i've been watching zombie shows so never mind back. <laughs> yeah so one of the things so we have this freudian idea of dreams which is it's your subconscious trying to speak to you and then there's this new like scientific idea of dreams which is we know these things about people and how they experience dreams and it seems like dreams because no one actually knows their true purpose is um to problem solve issues in your life that would be why you're going back to your previous day and your your brain's trying to work through what you should have done differently or something yeah. and to help you encode your emotional feelings about what you've experienced um basically it seems like it's kind of like a brain reset time for you to deal with what's happened in your day and get you ready for the next day not necessarily your subconscious coming out and right. telling you deep dark childhood secrets that you need to know so that you can become a perfect and fulfilled person that being said, people have ascribed meanings <laughs> to different, different. Uh, well, it's all like things. tarot cards and all like astrology. It's all that kind of stuff where it's like, you, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Like, sure, you could extrapolate that. I think to a certain extent, if you find it helpful to analyze your dreams and you find some meaning out of it and it gives your life purpose and it helps you take charge and like make decisions or feel good about the decisions you've made, like that's great and use that. But on the other hand, like don't feel like it's actually real because there's no scientific proof that any of this is I legitimate. See, I dream about a whale and I don't get rich. I'm coming after you specifically. <laughs> yeah. So um, I looked at the episode of Buffy and I thought, what is Josh trying to tell us? <laughs> what motif has he presented us in this episode that we need to know the Freudian definition of if you dream about it and the thing that came to my mind was cheese 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 it's the only one these will not protect you yeah it's the only through line through them all so the thing with cheese is it's very complicated <laughs> <laughs> yes good job Josh. <laughs> not really gonna get into all the details because literally it's like what context are you 
oh, having no. the cheese? Are you experiencing the cheese? Like, in what context <laughs> do you, you experience the, the cheese? cheese? Are you wearing the cheese or is it wearing you? Yeah. Yes. Are you wearing the cheese? Is it wearing you? Actually, that's not one of the options. Are you wiggling, why this is so are difficult. wiggling cheese? So it's like, are you eating the cheese? Cheese whiz. Are you buying the cheese? Are you making the cheese? Is it just in the background? All of these things mean different things. Also, like, what is the state of the cheese? Is it good cheese? Is it rotting cheese? What kind of cheese? What context is the cheese in? So, like, cheese... It's mean, being held in a desert. Well, okay. So, oh. so <laughs> cheese can mean, like, prosperity and wealth. If it's like cheddar and you're eating it, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> but it could also mean if it's brie Doom. and you're like spreading it on things that you're feeling like spread too thin. Oh, <laughs> come on. So it's a lot of your own. Whatever you do is so psychoanalyzed. Like, what are you doing yeah. with the cheese? Yeah. And it's like, so it can mean wealth, but it can also mean if you're having this in a sexy context, it could mm. mean that you're working on like personal romantic relationships because like you know like wine and cheese oh, and yeah. chocolate dipped strawberries is that like what's happening here so back to sex. so yeah see there you go so yeah. the most applicable thing i could find because like they're not making the cheese they're not eating the cheese no. they never touch the cheese they don't even really interact with the guy ever no he's just there for a moment and then he's but i did oh. find an entry I mean, obviously, this probably isn't from Freud because it's about processed cheese. But a dream of processed cheese, which I feel like those are craft cheese craft singles, cheese. Absolutely. indicates a need for change. Okay. Well, hey. So there we go. And that's the segue. And yeah. That was perfect. <laughs> I'll be fine. I think I figured out how to steer by gesturing emphatically. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. I can't believe dream analysis is so specific yeah. that there's one for processed cheese. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Different kinds, all of them. It's like, is it brie cheese? Is it blue oh, cheese? Can you is imagine it if it cheddar? was uh, is it... Swiss? I mean, yeah. holes in your life. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh! you fill, those, fill those holes. Uh, so much. Crazy. So. Yeah, it didn't, didn't mean that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I will not squat in that dank hole. What? It was good enough for me, but you're above it all? Precisely. I want to know what I did, both of you thought about this episode. But, Stacia, I want you to... I want you to keep it inside for a little bit. <laughs> Stacia, what did you think about this episode of TV? I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do right now. <laughs> I don't like it. Oh, you just want like a simple answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, before yeah. Before we go through everything. Yes. I don't like it. Is that good? Because <laughs> I, I, I know that you don't like this episode, and I want to hear all the reasons why. And I didn't realize before watching this or research, before researching this that this episode actually really is divisive among fans because I've always been in the camp of I like it. So, Seisha, that's a camp I do not like. Daniel, are you in camp I do like? I do not like how much I love this episode. Ah! Oh, interesting. Nice. Is it going to be top top five? We'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, I love this episode. Uh, rewatching it, I felt just as strongly about it it's probably the first and subsequent times i watched it it's just it's great it's great because of where it takes me like emotionally it's at once a very serious episode but then also so lighthearted and so at like um absurdist that it's a really interesting line to tell and i think joss whedon said it said it pretty good uh on the bronze reddit or bronze reddit, on the bronze posting board he said most people sort of shake their heads at this episode it was different but it was not pointless and i agree but let's get into it. Let's go through the episode. 
starting with. Before the dream. Before we before we start dreaming, yeah. So we're all hanging out at Buffy's house. We're about to watch movies together. A movie fest. It's weird. Is that? Did you guys ever have movie fests when you were kids? I mean, I definitely I more than once. Like a bunch of movies. Rented all the Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. and it was like, we're gonna get a case of Mountain Dew and watch them all. And then you get through, you know, you're like, well, let's watch them in the original order, not with the prequels first. And then you get Whoa. to Jedi, and you're like, but we don't need to watch the other ones, right? That's just how. It's you a do. very specific moment for you. No, you never did that. No, I mean, I definitely would buy. Or like, watch all the two, three movies. Oh, not all, and no, you just get like two or three movies. I mean, I guess I've done that before. I don't know. I, just, I never did it this old, though, I guess. I'm, mm. I'm not like a college yeah. kid. Okay. But maybe the 2000s were different, you know? I mean, let's just be honest here. Well, okay, so first I guess we need to establish how many movies counts as a fest, vidfest. Well, I mean, they have four. I think, so. I mean, At I least. think more than one. More than one. More than one, If sure. that's the point going into it. Is to like rock some more movies. than one. Then more than yeah. one for sure. Right, at that yeah, point. Okay. It's like So would. So two and 200, two same. Same. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, well, then we watched The Room and Troll 2. We did. We did have a fest. <gasps> yeah. So we had a fest. Nilbog? It's Goblin Spell Backwards. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. I haven't thought of that. What, is, what, is, what are the other lines? I can't remember. Something. I won't allow it. <laughs> uh, hospitality. Do you know what it means? Hospitality. And you can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's unfortunate that we don't see what the other movies are because we know it's Apocalypse now. But uh, he says I got plenty of British guy and, and chicken oh, in there. Too. If you want to know what the other movies are, we'll stay tuned for yelling. Oh, great, great. Well, that's something to look forward to. But yeah, we're all tired. Buffy's cut is still on our fucking head. But I think it's only been three t- full days now. I my question to, you, to both of you is when is this? Do you think we're t- different outfits in the end of the last episode? But Buffy still has the cut on her head. When, and we're all did, very tired, but it sounds like we haven't slept. When did we end the, the, the show last time? Like, was it daytime? Was it nighttime? I don't was know. It... I mean, we just we fade out the to... Oh, we're still Yeah, that white yeah. guy. And they were still in the initiative. So why don't we just... I mean, I would assume the I think, morning. I thought then... it was that night. So if it was night, then it how who knows how long they were there. It but could have had... been morning. Like, it could have been morning. And then they, like what went home but i feel like you would go to sleep right so in theory if this is the like the same day or whatever they all went home they all have not been able to sleep that was the plan everybody go home everybody go get some sleep you know and then everyone's like hey i can't sleep i can't sleep why don't we just watch movies tonight that makes sense and let's stay up and like be together so probably the next day but it seems like they just got there and it's like 11 midnight so if that was the plan why don't you get together earlier because like what are you doing until 11 well they can't sleep but what? then what's Riley do? Well, I guess Riley's part of it. But well, Joyce... see, yeah, he said he was going to go to a deep briefing in the middle of the night. Because this so, is nighttime. It's definitely nighttime when our friends are together. I mean, to Joyce says something along the lines of it's like I'm going midnight. To bed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. She's. I like, mean, I think it's that night because Giles makes some co- sort of comment like we're still hyped up on adrenaline, which you wouldn't be yeah. the night after. Okay. All right. And yeah. then Riley's one of the two. Maybe Riley has a debriefing in the morning, and I wasn't listening that close. Let's say it's within within twelve hours. Of I'm the guessing time Riley is a better adjusted person who also didn't do the magic, and so he's sure. tired because right. he just fought a bunch of people and killed his best friend. Yes, and he just wants to go home and go to bed. That's true. He does not want to watch Apocalypse now. No, he's not allowed to be in this episode except for in dreams. I showed up on time, so I got to be cowboy guy. Have you ever seen Apocalypse now? I have. I've only seen the beginning, like the. What's his name? Vincent D'Onofrio stuff. Yes. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? Um, I've read the book three times. Really? Heart of Darkness, yes. Yeah. Why? College is really repetitive. I read it in college and high school. High school and college, yeah. The The first time in high school. 
<laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's like 70 pages. Yeah, it's very long. short. So oh, it, it doesn't take very long to get through. And it is, I mean, that book is the movie just yeah. set in Vietnam mm. and Cambodia. So. Hmm. I would like to pipe in and say this is my favorite part of the episode. I am actually really jealous because I think like having a cozy movie night and like a big mm. comfy couch with mm. like some Kool-Aid, like just the whole <laughs> 90s throwback, the Kool-Aid, the like half Oreo, yes. half vanilla, those cookies that I haven't had since the 90s, like a cozy little blanket, curling up with friends and falling asleep sounds really, really nice. It does. It does. Doesn't and they all look so world. comfortable too when they all do fall asleep. It's like, oh. yeah. If I was Joyce, I'd get out my my camera take a little photo the strangest thing for me was just when joyce was like because it's so weird when you call giles to attention of like giles you're an adult you i get why you're here we don't know what you are you're not a mentor anymore you're not a librarian anymore i get that you're here because we're fighting evil and stuff like that but was she propositioning him to like maybe get upstairs let's go like you don't need to be doing this why are you she was like what you know are you staying? Why are you doing this thing? I just feel like Joyce is like, let's, why not? Let's rock upstairs. Get it, Joyce. Let's go upstairs why right not? now, Giles. Let's get that stevedore gone. What's a stevedore? First dream. Naked Tara. Yeah, that's the first thing we get. And obviously, and I should say obviously, I guess. Of course, it's a poem by Sappho written in oh. ancient Greek. That's what's on her back. Uh, the art department made a point too. Make sure it was a sapphic poem. Make sure that they actually wrote it correctly in ancient Greek. So good for them. Uh, and we get, we're talking about Miss Kitty? Or we're not talking about, are we talking about Miss Kitty? We are. Are we well, talking about Dawn? Well, this is very Freudian because we're talking about all of Willow's insecurities. Oh my God. The place is packed. Everybody's here. Your whole family's in the front row and they look really angry. All this is is imposter syndrome. That like she's, thinks she's turned into this cool, uh, like Wicca witch person that's, uh, as risen above her humble geek infested roots as she will say later in season six so okay uh, so just just her her own or magic is more of the insecurity than it well, is yeah and just like her confidence like she wants to be recognized as this new confident person that has cool interests and in, and the sexuality thing is easy to go to but i'm grateful and i never read it as that because one of the things i enjoy about this relationship so much is that the biggest thing is that it's it's always portrayed positively like, we don't have to do a lot of hemming and hawing. Willow never really feels a lot of guilt about being gay. And, like, that's that's why it was so monumental, is that there was never a moment where this relationship was portrayed negatively. I think it's, like, the whole season. That's why this episode is so good, because it's the whole season reduced down to, like, a great Jonathan episode or all the episodes we talked about then, which is f- a fun premise, getting to say all of the things that we've already said. This well, and we even go back enough. further than just this season. Like this we episode is, is payoff after payoff if you've been a fan of the show because we do so many callbacks. We mentioned a couple episodes ago how we were like, oh my God, there's callbacks in this episode. We're doing like, we're being rewarded for watching the show. And this episode is nothing but that. So it's like an abundance of callbacks. So I, I fucking love that. I mean, I think... My problem with this episode, like you said this and you said it like it was a fact and I guess maybe it is a fact because it came from Joss and he was the one who made the show. But at a certain point, it's what the audience interprets and not what the creator meant for the audience to interpret. Interpret. I don't find that there's a point to this episode. You could take it out and nothing changes. I think it's pointless and that's why the dreams are so infuriating is because I think they're pointless. You can read what you want to read into them, but that's true about every single episode. We don't need to 
dream episode completely full of nonsense for you to draw your own conclusions. For him to say it has nothing to do with sexuality and then the costume guy saying it has to be a lesbian gay poem on her back. Well, why? What's the point? If you're saying this is all symbolism and it's so deep and you want us to get some sort of deeper meaning about these characters, then why is it all disjointed and none of it makes sense? Like, I get that it's a dream, but, like, why why that poem? If you're going to do a poem, like, and you say it's not about sexuality, then why not something else? I just get so frustrated because it all just feels like this thing where it's like it feels like it's trying to be really deep and spiritual and meaningful and then also at the same time it's like really heavy-handed and kind of pointless and we're just like foisting people's insecurities on us again in the same way that we did with nightmares the same way that we did with fear itself like this isn't new territory no, it's the same episode as it's and less well done, Ooh. less interesting. Damn. <laughs> See, that's and that's Super just my disagree. Yeah, totally disagree with that. I but just, it's one hundred percent right. It's so pointless. There's no story. I don't feel like I've learned anything new about these characters. I'm not walking away going like I've never thought about Buffy like that before. I've never sure. thought about Willow's relationship with Tara like that before. I'm just like, okay, yeah, and then. Like, I don't leave the episode thinking, like, I understand these characters better. I just leave thinking, so you've reinforced what we've already learned, four seasons of information. Like, we had the season. We had the episode in Nightmares where Willow is scared to get on stage. My turn. <laughs> this is the same episode as that for Willow. Like, none it of has this... that, but it's not it's the same not at new, all. It's not new, though. It's so... so tedious and frustrating like why are we what's the point forever that's the whole point so like it's not not about sexuality and what i guess i was trying to say poorly was that she's not insecure about her sexuality or like their relationship so it's mostly about her being insecure as her like new confident self but not that that's not a piece of it and obviously like when we go into the curtains people thought that that was like an homage to twin peaks and stuff yeah yeah. but then if you hear from joshua himself during the commentary he's like the curtains was more about making the space smaller and like to illustrate that you know tariff will feel safe with tara in this small world that she's created also the curtains mean vagina somehow so see like it's I think that Joss is a smart guy, and I think that he knows what's he knows the symbolism of his own show, and he can put in heavy-handed symbolism, and it will piss people off, or people will not see it, and they don't care because they're not looking for it, or people can sit and dig into it for a thousand years trying to break it down. I don't think that he put that much thought into a lot of the stuff on here because it's just everything we've been saying all year, if not for four seasons, in an episode. That's all this is. And if you don't like it, like I get why, if if that's tedious, I get it. I totally get it. Buffy, you have a sacred birthright to protect mankind. Thanks to catch your elbow. For Willow's dream specifically, I feel like the takeaways are we learn that Tara is not who she claims to be, or yeah, like there's there's some kind of mystery there that maybe Willow should be concerned about. Uh, we learn that Willow's really not. Do we learn that? Yeah. You don't know everything. We already about implied me that, that with the later. map. Yeah, totally. And Willow, it's like obviously very literally pointed out her growth, right? Like we go back to her episode one uh, to who she is now. And, and like it's ex- hair kind of, yeah, it's exploring the idea that maybe she's not this person. Like as much as she wants to be this new person who's who's confident and, and has a new path in life and it, it wants to be this new, feels like she's this powerful witch or getting, tapping into something that's, that's going to be huge, and that's who she's going to be—is this superhero witch person? And then to take her all the way back down to no, that's you're not that person, and you'll never be that person. And this is a disguise, 
and you're and that's why the the drama piece of it is that too right it's like you're putting on a play your life is an act like you think you're this cool person you're not and you don't know the lines you know you're living in a play that you don't know the lines well hello little lady can i hold those milk pails for you why thank you but they're not very heavy why have you come to our lonely small town which has no post office and very few exports i've come looking for a man a salesman. Having death of a salesman that is not death of the salesman. It's just so funny that Riley's a cowboy and Harmony's back trying to bite Giles. Like, I wouldn't give any of that shit up for a second. That was so funny. Even Buffy's, like, her speechifying or whatever that death of a salesman in, in world is. Where all she's right. like, all, all their men, right. all their men with their sales. Yeah. So funny. So I think that, like... One of the infuriating things about Joss is, and, and a lot of, I guess, creators or people do this too, where they're like, I know a lot of people uh, would be alienated by it and not want it. Like, I knew some people wouldn't get it, and then some people would get it and then hate it. Obviously, you understand it, and it's not that cryptic or clever. And I'm like, Petrie, I will fucking nail him against the wall when he's like, I'm so clever. You're not clever, Petrie. We know exactly what you're fucking doing. And Josh with this too, right? The symbolism is, is not that layered. Except for obviously the deaths because I didn't catch that any other fucking times. Yeah, I didn't either. But it's the thing you have to give yourself over to or you'll never like the episode is the amazing things we're doing directorially, the beautiful things we're doing with the score, the intentional cutting and movement of of the frames, the the fucking set. They went to a goddamn desert. Like this episode is so big in scope and so many cool fucking things are happening and it does set up a lot of stuff. Maybe it's not new stuff, but we are reiterating it in this beautiful way where it's just like, what a great piece of art. The hope of our nation's future is a bunch of mulch. I disagree with everything. Like, even that, like, yeah, the music, especially in the desert, it's beautiful. Some of the scenes, like, I really like um, Xander scenes when he's, like, out in the playground and then he's in the ice cream truck and, like, the background's clearly, like, a green-screened, yeah. weird, revolving background or whatever. Mm-hmm. That scene where it's like green, um, and then like orange in the background, whatever. Yeah, yeah. in the school. In the school, so, yeah. So when good. they speak French. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> I like that aesthetically. I think they're interesting choices. It feels like Joss showing off, and I think that's the mm-hmm. reason why this episode is so infuriating, and why Dollhouse is so infuriating. Is Joss is like, look at how smart I am. Mm-hmm. It's the entire forty-five minutes of him just like furiously masturbating to how amazing he is. You think you know. What's to come? What you are? You haven't even begun. Individually, yes, but it's like these are like, you know, like the um, idea of like you should kill your darlings. Like this is an entire episode of Joss's darlings and he didn't kill any of them to make the episode better. He shoved them all in and said like fucking deal with it or you're not good enough like to get this show. And I find that really infuriating because like just because you love it, just because it's fun doesn't mean it not necessarily has a place like I want there to be more (laughs) like if there was an entire episode of Xander in this like weird ice cream world where it's kind of like a serial killer and like that kind of thing I would be totally into that like I like those like bottle episodes but to just like throw all of these different genres together and this different music and all of these like random scenes and be like this is deep and meaningful and if you don't get it like I wanted you to not get it because I made this so deep that only some people would get it and appreciate it. Like, I just, I'm not into that. (laughs) You don't want me to have a hobby. 
Not a vengeance hobby, no. So I'm, I'm because I, I see what you're saying. If you're, if this is something that he does or has a penchant for doing in the future and stuff, then I could see going back and being like, oh yeah, I don't really like that. But for me, I, I don't have any of that. Yeah. So I'm not thinking about any of it beyond just like uh, what I love, just right there on the screen. If he's masturbating, then I guess I'm here for that. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for the furious masturbation, and that's and I'm and I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. I didn't listen to the entire episode commentary. I just caught the tail end of it with Kelly. Um, But he said, and she's already said this, that he was like, I knew half the people weren't going to get it and they weren't going to like it. I don't like that. Yeah. And that is what confirms like all my negative feelings about this episode is like, I knew that I was going to be alienating people doing it and I didn't care. And I don't like that because I think there's something to be said about taking a chance and being like, this is really important to me and I hope that you get it. And if you don't like this isn't meant for you, I guess, but like, this is really personal to me. Like, I feel like Hush was that, like he was like, this is a chance and no one knows if it's gonna work. And this could have been the same kind of thing. Like how many TV shows have an entire dream episode, but he didn't come to it with that experimentation, but more like, this is smart. And I'm like shoving it down your throat and you're gonna like it or you're not. And not like, this is something I really want you to be able to get. And I want to bring you along on this ride with me. And like, I'm sorry if it doesn't work. Because I feel like that's the way it is with Hush. He's like, I'm really worried people aren't going to get it. And I want them to get it. And his attitude here is people aren't going to get it. And that's what I want. Not all art is for everyone. And sometimes you you have a singular idea of the thing that you want to do. So you got to do the thing. I wish he didn't talk. But I don't, yeah. What does it take to get you to shut the hell up? I really struggle with the concept of like cutting out the creator from their creations because their implicit biases and their experiences and the way they view the world completely and totally, especially in this kind of media, maybe less so like impressionist art, but like in TV and in books and like film, like completely informs the choices that are made. Like why is Buffy skinny and white and blonde? It's because that's what Joss finds attractive. Like why did he struggle with having Tara be a size eight? The things that are in there are in there because they spoke to Joss in a certain way. And for me to leave the episode feeling like he wanted some people not to enjoy this and then to hear him say, I knew people wouldn't enjoy this. Like I find that really irritating. We're digging so deep into it. I think they'll watch it. Yeah. They either like it or don't. Like, I think it's very different from whatever you were watching before. So on some level you're either like, yeah. oh, I kind of dig that. Or you know what? That was a fun ride for an hour, whatever. And then you, you're you binging it. So you're on to season five and oh, it's Dracula. Hey, we're back to fun, you know? <laughs> And then the doc tells the doctor that there's a man that's attached to my ass. Well, like thinking about it, I didn't watch this when it was airing and I kind of wish I could have because I wonder if I would have felt differently about this episode. But like now having seen Dollhouse and his other creations and heard Joss talk about the work and no personal details about Joss's life and the way he's treated certain people. Um... Like, I can't help but bring that baggage to this episode just, like, the same way that I used to deeply, deeply love Harry Potter. Now, J.K. Rowling has shown her entire ass on the internet multiple times. I'm just like, I don't know if I can go back and read those books and enjoy them in the same way. And I think the best art is hap- happens when you aren't sure of yourself and you're, like, I don't know, stepping into uncharted territories. Whereas this doesn't feel like that. This feels, like, overly confident, not art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it is. I think that if it's true that he just stream of conscious wrote this, I think that he took, he went out of his way to try to make this something that he didn't write like this before. He didn't direct like this before. He's going out. To, and yeah, probably hone it. He has skills. So he's going to use his skills in a myriad of different ways, which maybe feels like showing off because is it good or not? I don't fucking know. I don't. I mean, 
I don't know anything about directing or cinematography and shit. I mean, I just enjoyed what I enjoyed. But was he showing off? Maybe. Maybe. Giles here is going to teach me to be a watcher. He says I got the stuff. Spike's like a son to me. Well, that's good. I was into that for a while, but I got other stuff going on. After the first Sex Willow soul out, we go to Xander. The next conclude like, I, don't, I wonder what the order, why they chose the order they did. I mean, I'm glad they did. Anyway, so Xander, what's Xander's dream about? He's uh, afraid that he's a loser that'll never get out of the basement, right? That's about it. We can move I mean, on. I've never heard of, <laughs> of that in the show before. That's such a unique new concept. I mean, <laughs> and it's so interesting that he's like in this <laughs> army, sort of. Are you a soldier? I'm a comfortador. You're neither. You're a whipping boy, raised by mongrels and set on a sacrificial stone. I'm getting a cramp. His, I think, are the most on the nose because it's just like he's now in the army now. So, all roads lead back to his basement. I mean, it's all right. it, yeah. again. It can be really heavy-handed, or it's like, oh, fun. He's like going through his little things. Like, I'm back in the As basement. Before, and seeing his dad for the first time. That was, that was oh yeah, scary. and he'll be a different actor later. Don't worry. Not really. <laughs> didn't, know didn't know we'd see him again. So yeah, well, we see him in Hell's. We see his whole healing the Hell's Bells. Oh God, I mean, that's just another world. I can't yeah. imagine. Well, I like waking up first. Waking up before the joy stuff. I like waking up and. We kind of, you know, you think you're back in the normal episode. And then fucking Buffy's just like big faker. Like, yeah. I just love all that stuff about Willow's, Willow's yeah. having yeah. like a seizure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that they just keep that going. That is very cool. And that's that another element. Cool. There's been many, many television shows that have done dream episodes. And Joss even says in the commentary, he's like, I could have gone the full smoke machine and blurry edges. And that never happens. Part of why this this episode for me is is so visually striking is because we don't, while it may get absurd, it never gets goofy. Like, it, it never gets schlocky and like, oh, we're, we can fly now because blah, 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 zany stuff, space aliens, woo, that kind of stuff. It, it keeps it so grounded that it just keeps you captivated. So, like, one of the, even it's interesting, we're doing this right now. This feels like such a real dream. Like, as much of an oxymoron as that statement may be, this is like, where you we're on the couch again. We were just there. Is this real or is it not? And then like watching a movie that you've seen before, but it's not quite right. Like that's not actually a damn this now. war. Yeah, doing goofy shit like yeah. in the play too, right? Like it was that's not death of a salesman no. in any way, shape, or form. Well, we do have a death of a salesman. The salesman's <laughs> lying down in the corner. <laughs> and what har- is it harmony over in the corner too? That's just very oh funny. yeah, it's so like, that shot specifically, doing? I forgot to mention oh, yeah, during the Willow section. So that, that's a, called a Frasier mm. shot or Frasier camera, not the show. Just that's what it's yeah. called. Um, and if you'll notice in that shot, it, it so we've got Riley in the foreground, just his face, Basically. the profile, Buffy right behind him, and then Harmony on the couch in the background, and they're all in focus. So you need that oh. special camera, apparently, that special lens, to get that whole shot. What a fucking yeah. cool, That's... what another cool shot! <laughs> uh. <laughs> Masturbation! <laughs> it's hard not to talk about it, and not be, you're going to think about that constantly. Cool. Yep. Sorry, guys. What right. a guitar solo is, it's just masturbating on a... That's, that is... Yeah. All it is. It's true. Anyway... So Xander starts off. Anyways, <laughs> masturbation, yeah. Yes, masturbation. Back to Xander, which is Which is apt, apt yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sometimes I think about two women doing a spell, and then I do a spell by myself. The, even the new car smell popcorn thing, yeah. like, all the lines are so, they're, they're perfect dream dialogue, because none of, none of that shit makes sense, but it still feels real. And then we go into mm-hmm. the joy yes, shit. Yes, I'm a well, natural well, I, blue. I would also say that it's crazy, too, to think... Because we we're doing this twenty years after the show, 
And TV has changed a lot in 20 years. And Buffy's a prime mover of why TV is not only better, but different. Like, you don't need the smoke machines and stuff. What he's hearkening back is network TV in a different world, you know, where you just don't have the money, the budget, the people, the time. Everybody's watching TV more. And because they're on this new wavelength, just like all the HBO shows and everything like that, they're changing what we think of now. For 20 years now, we've thought of dreams in a certain way. Buffy was there. Buffy was there with The Sopranos and all of those shows doing dreams a certain way that everybody now is like, oh, man, these dreams are so good. But they all have really happened over like 25 years that the show has been on. Like you know, we would never back, do smoke machines and shit like that. that right? Yeah, but but I get why he's talking about it because right. he's talking about it in right. 2003. When where, like, people were. Yeah, right. And if he was talking about 20 years ago, just like we are now right. – it all starts to blend together, right? You just start to talk about it like yesterday, but it was really 20 years ago. Like, I don't think, you know, kids today watching TV, unless they're going back and watching old stuff, I don't think any show does this unless to be like really goofy parody. I, I don't I just I think, think there's a ton of episodes of TV since Buffy that have done dreams. I mean, Sopranos had a whole episode, The Test Dream. Uh, Mad Men had a great one where he, you don't, you, I think it's still a mystery to this day. If he, he was having like a f- food sickness and he was like really, really sick. And he imagined uh, an old, you know, Don Draper, womanizer, philanderer, uh, imagines an old woman, a woman, not an old woman, one of his older flings showing up at his door. And he was like, you can't be here. My wife's here. And of course she seduces, seduces him. They have sex. And then we like go to the rest of the episode and we come back to them and then they're having sex again or whatever. And then he kills her and then stuffs her under the bed because he's freaking out. He's like in a fucking state. He puts her under the bed and then we have the wife come home and he sees that the leg is sticking out, you know, comically sticking out like this. Oh my God, I have to cover up this. You can't look over here. You can't, you know, that kind of stuff. And then at the end he looks under the bed and no, nothing's there. And you're like, Oh, that was all just a fever dream or whatever. And then he picks up like an earring. That's not his wife. So it's like, what did happen? Dun, dun, did someone dun. come? Did he kill them? Like, you just don't know. But you, the rest of the episode has nothing to do. Like, you're not even... that. That's like one dream sequence for one character, and we're following four other characters in that episode, you know? I, I think that's more typical of what goes on. because right. as, as opposed ba- to devoting an entire Battlestar episode. Galactica had, had the whole Cylon thing. Like, I don't know how much you remember. I had to look this one up. I do not but this, there was the baby, Hera, the baby. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, and so Sharon and Rosalind. Rosalind was in a, because of her cancer, she was in a drug-induced state. Sharon, who was a fucking Cylon, as we found out, she was like the main bad guy. She g- goes into a state as well so that they can basically fight over where this this child, mm. the first Cylon human child, right. in their dreams. And then at the very end, they hear all along the watchtower and they see the five Cylons up and like at the glowing orbs in like the the opera house on earth. Man, I need to yeah. watch that show. <laughs> yeah, six, six, and six gets into the dream too. That she takes the baby. Right. And so that's crazy too, because we're like dreaming, but it's like physically happening, but they're clearly not at Earth, but they do have the baby. Um but also I I, I like that one because it's stakes. Like it's it's kind of like this. You're like the first, we've we've introduced the first, here you go, in a dream. And in that we introduce all along the watchtower. And the fact that there are going to be Cylons amongst your friends who right. you know. And that's stuff that doesn't pay off for another two years, you know. And with Buffy, too, it's like, you know, it's not going to pay off right well, away. Well, even just so. bringing up that piece of it, like, it's not just one scene. Can you think of any other shows that do a whole episode? Not off the top of my head. I mean, the most iconic thing that I immediately think of is Alice in Wonderland, mm. which is an entire dream. Oh, and oh, we get back point. to Newhart. Newhart, the, yeah, the right on the entire series, the very last scene of the, the show. Yeah. By saying it was all a dream. Sure. So I like, hate that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's, and that's maddening. And, 
And but I he don't also think like set the... the same. I don't no, think that not. this is the same at all. No, that's it's not. Yeah. It's not. Well, the test stream was a whole episode for the Sopranos of just like again, like really just one person, his whole inner thoughts, and you kind of learn like about his. You know, he turned down a job one time, and like his whole life could have been different. You know, it's just like internalized regret, basically, is what Tony's whole thing was. But it was a total dream thing. He's like an insurance man from Arizona, and it's just you. T- he just sits in a hotel room and talks to whoever his wife is, and they're just like shooting the shit about some fake job. It's such a bizarre, weird episode, but you can tell it's a dream just because he like goes back to the places where he used to go, and there's no menacing overtones. He's just. I have a different voice. You know, Gandolfini is just like totally, I'm a different, like he's living a different life. Like he Hmm. became a different person. He's not the person he hates, which is himself. And that's a whole nother fucking story. But yeah. So, I mean, that's the only like full beyond this. I don't think there's two that I can think of beyond that, that are just full episodes front to back. What'd you see in me anyways? The object is to learn what you saw in me, not what I saw in you. One of these days, Alice, one of these days. Pow! Right in the kisser? To the moon, Alice! <laughs> I remember when you hit me, it was like pow to the moon. Don't get me steamed, Alice. And then you choked the shit out of me. Yeah, but that's, that's after you were trying to put a fork in my eye. <laughs> oh, that was your mother. <laughs> <sighs> Sometimes what happens here is like taking a shit. I prefer to think of it as more like childbirth. Maybe it is more like childbirth. You tell me. I don't have any children. I died too young. Before we even encounter Joyce, we go pee, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Well, he says he's going to, but then he runs into Joyce, right? And then he's like, I have to go. And then he goes into the bathroom. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for making me have to pee. Then we have the choice right. stuff. Yeah. Apparently that was all like Steven Soderbergh inspired to, I guess, or whatever, uh, where he, the cuts where we've got Joyce doing dialogue that's not actually happening. Yeah. I like and that. And we've got like weird zoomings, kind of slow-mo stuff. And it was all. It's all is very gross because it's just like Joyce is like an, a like a girl. She's like, yeah, sex. I've heard of that. And it's oh, like, yeah, it's yeah. obviously what's. Same uh, fantasizing. I mean, all of it's not great. Fun to see her, though. <laughs> what did Joss have to say about that? Who oh, yeah. hasn't had a sex dream about their friend's mom? I'm pretty sure everyone's had one. I'm like, Me. You're assuming that <laughs> everyone is is male and or a lesbian, which I okay. can't say that I'm not one of those two things. Uh, <laughs> but I have not had a sex dream about my friend's mom. So as someone who has sex with women, I have not had that dream. So cool job, Joss. Uh, and the next cool job, Josh moment. Josh. Josh. Yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Uh, Josh Whedon. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what his name know. should it's be. It's not the first time that it's happened to him, I'm sure. Um, Xander goes to pee. Yes. And the, the initiative's there. there so yeah. And he's like, also, everyone's had this dream where someone's watching them pee. No, I haven't. Again. I have. <laughs> have you? Oh, really? Okay, well, sure. No, but I have a dream where like you desperately have to pee and you go into one of those bathrooms that's like in a movie theater with a thousand stalls and Ooh. none of them have doors. Doors, okay. Oh. And then there's like people streaming in from the movie and you're just like, what do I do? But not like this <laughs> specific where people are intentionally watching you pee. With like, a clipboard. Here, here. No, <laughs> not like that. One clipboard is one clipboard too many. Thank yes. you. He did say, however, which I agree, this is the best use of the initiative of the whole season. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he is right about that. Self-burn. Self-burn. <laughs> Joss Whedon, self-burn. See, yeah. I love that. That's funny. That's good. Yeah. Then Thank we get you. into the real dream, right? We go, we go do Xander stuff. Yeah. 
We go do Xander stuff, yeah. Hang out in the basement. Hang out in the basement. (laughs) All roads lead back to the basement. And that's kind of the whole... Sometimes we think about the army. (laughs) Point, yes, of course. (laughs) Which again, it's not... Like, it's obvious, and I don't think he was trying to be obtuse in its obviousness. Like, I don't think he was trying to be smart about that. Like, yeah, that's that's the dude. That's him. I'm also with you that I think the sandbox scene... I mean, I don't know if you said that was your favorite or not, but you said it was good. I said I I really liked the way it was filmed. I like that that was maybe my favorite. Yeah, I mean, well. I don't I just like, like Giles. I don't like Xander in general, but I think I like his dream sequence the yeah. best, like directorially. I like, I really yeah, like cool. the ice cream when yeah, they're yeah. driving and how that feels and like how bright it is and the swing mm-hmm. set. And yeah, in the playground scene too, is like he intentionally buffed the brightness to make it feel like yeah. we're outside, but yeah. in a dream. And a re- very harsh light of day. Yes. <laughs> hey. Yes. I love syphilis more than you. I didn't really think about that, but it says you're totally and then, right. Yeah, it spikes is. out in the daylight. Uh, and, that which that is, is cool. In which and, is, yeah. and obviously, we pay that off with the <laughs> suit and tabula rasa. Like, oh, nice. see, there are things. <laughs> Randy <laughs> Giles, no wonder I hate you. Yes. <laughs> but it's uh, you know, it, it, obviously Giles or uh, what? What does Andrew say? Something like. Um, you know, that was cool. I was doing that for a while, like being a mentor or a student of Giles's. Mm-hmm. And Giles, is, I'm mm-hmm. now being, Spike is my student yeah. now. And, you know, Xander, I think is, you know, in his dream, if if we're doing the Freudian thing, he's definitely, in, he's insecure about, you know, what he could have been with Giles mm-hmm. if he had applied himself. He could have been what Spike is, wearing the suit, looking well, good. Well, it's something that, you know, since you've brought up many times where he could be useful in other ways. Yeah. He could have very, very much been a student of Giles and like, fuck it, I'm going to be a research guy. I'm going to like yeah. learn how to make weapons. I'm going to do something useful, but then you didn't yeah. choose to do any of that. And then the, obviously talking, Buffy's the only woman in the dream. Buffy and Anya, funnily enough, even though that's his girlfriend, he doesn't sexualize, right? He sexualizes Will and Tara, sure. Joyce, but like, she says big brother and he's like oh big brother i don't know again if we're supposed to be talking about the dawn thing or what but like some people think that's supposed to just represent a switch in their relationship like there's no there is no currently and will not be in the future romantic that's how i read it Mm. like we're we're like family yeah i mean the the dead eye buffy in that scene too is so good like i don't know if she's supposed to be a kid playing in the sandbox and so just like her like just staring as like a child just like I don't know what to say because I don't, I'm a kid. So I'm just staring at you. It was very uh, weird. Because then, yeah, the shots back to Xander, who's just like, I, I love the dream stuff for Joss in, in this in this world too. Because like, even with Willow, when she's like, she's getting attacked and eaten, like nobody reacts, no one does anything. But also you're unable in, in to do anything because um, like when uh, in, in Willow's dream where Tara and Oz are flirting. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, and just when she like looks at them, but she, you know, you're in a dream. You can't actually keep do anything. About my book report. Right. Ah. So it's really cool because even Xander in that moment too, they just have that back and forth stare, and it's like we can impart our own feeling about okay, they're they're finally learning that they're you know family. Not there's no nothing sexual is going to happen here, but it's just really interesting to think of like being paralyzed in a dream, like just where I'm just here. I don't know. It's very very effective. I like that a lot. The ice cream truck thing that you like this, you know, mm. that you, uh, so. He wanted to do rear projection, which is like you would have a projector playing the stuff outside the window, so it looks weird and fucked up, like old movies. Yeah. But they had to do a green screen, so that was all like like added after the fact, really after. The, but oh, too, because he says, "Do you mind? I'm talking to my demon, not my yeah, girlfriend." Right. Like that was good stuff. I like that. Anya says, "I'm thinking about getting back in Avengers," and she does. There you go. That matters. It also matters that there's the longest lesbian kiss ever on TV in that scene, even though they can't show it, and even though they aren't showing it, they're just showing Xander's reaction. The WB wanted them to cut it down. Wow. So that's cool. A lot of lip smacking on that one. Yeah, that was pretty gross. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Yeah. Unnecessary. 
and we crawl back through. So all the set, like one of the, that's Xander's Dream mm, is not my favorite. All the sets and everything were connected on the soundstage. And I thought that was such a clever use too. Even just that, just like, we can run through all the the stages. That's great. Use what Xander about the to run corridor? The what, what about the So corridor? that was constructed okay. by Carrie, I can't remember his last name. The guy that does all the sets and all the, the prop design and everything. He, not prop design, set design. He, was, he made that corridor just between the, when we're running out of the, I don't remember where that happens. Uh, that was, uh, he went through, no, he went uh, went into Giles' house, then he went to the college dorm, and then he went through Buffy and Willow's, Buffy and Willow's room, right, in her room, to, back to the basement. Right, yes. And then true. when we swap around, that door that he, or the, where he comes out of that corridor is gone. Right. It's the, it's a wall. Yeah, so it's all those wall. were connected except for the corridor scene because, like, that didn't actually, the Buffy's dorm was not actually connected to his but basement, that was so obviously. Cool. But everything else was, oh, just all the sets. I think that's so so clever to do that and they just use handy cams to like capture all it just felt fast it felt like we were really chasing xander like it was good what's after me it's because of what we did i know that what we did hmm and the others have gone on ahead now listen very carefully your life may depend on what i'm about to tell you you need la maison de nous tout dormant tes copains sont tous là ayant un tape merveilleux et rentrant le vie normal la créature ne peut pas te faire de mal what? But no, the, the, the scene was amazing. Uh, the, the light was beautiful. Uh, the, the green light was so amazing. Giles looked so cool even eating strange, his like, apple. distant siren sound. Wow, wow. Yeah. Like, and that was that? Sunnydale High School, right? That's what they were yeah. supposed to be implying. So the college set is actually still the high school. And I wonder no, if they just kept fair. the lockers the whole time but never filmed that part. Or if they add the lockers back. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Oh, a lot of Meyer, that's his name. Anyway. But they just redressed the high school scenes with the, like those coins and the bricks to make it look more like a university. So mm-hmm. having like it's funny on a meta level because that is actually Sunnydale okay. High School, but it's but yeah, just that, and that's why it makes it feel more like a dream too, right? Like we're conflating high school right. and college, and but Xander wouldn't know about either of those things. Well, Damn. high school, I guess, but whatever. I mean, he's been on the campus. He worked there for that's a day. True. Don't validate. He's a townie, so he knows. So the French translation. Yeah, which was really great. I was not expecting that, and I just love that it's like dubbed in that way, like a Mm -hmm. '60s movie. It's so yeah, so good. Much better than having them actually speak it. Yes, that was done by Joss Whedon's assistant, Diego Gutierrez, doing the vocal dub there. Nice. And what was he saying? Yes, but he was in French, but in English. Giles, the house where where we're all sleeping, all of your friends are there. They're having a wonderful time and getting on with their lives. The creature can't hurt you there. Xander, what? I don't understand. Giles, oh, for God's sake, this is no time for your idiotic game. And then Ani comes in. Xander, you have to come with us now. Everybody's waiting for you. I don't, I can't, I can't hear you. It's not important. I'll take you there. Okay, so it was actual dialogue. Yeah, that's fine. which is nice. I thought it would just be something ridiculous. No, that's great. And he gets sent off to the army. Sure does. Which is, that's appropriate. And we get to see Snyder again, which is amazing. And that was a straight scene from Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. Which apparently Armin Shimmerman had never seen before. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I think Joss commented about uh, his performance where he was like, he was doing Brando, but not doing Brando like in a schlocky way. Like he wasn't like, I'm trying to be Brando. He was just playing, doing the dialogue. I mean, it was really, it was just him coming from the shadows yeah. and the bald head. I mean, yeah. he's like the perfect. That was, that was great. I agree. And I just, and even at the end when it's just really, I mean, he's so serious. You're a whipping boy raised by mongrels set on a sacrificial stone. He's like, I'm getting a cramp. <laughs> I have to go. It's, just, it's good. It's good stuff. And apparently I learned Brando uh, got paid $3 million to, to be in that movie. He's not, now. yeah. And he was Isn't paid. just one scene? Uh, no, he's, he's there, but not uh, that much. It's not, they're hunting him. So he's not 
in all the movies. But $70,000 per extra day of filming. Damn. So I don't know how much he got. And that's this is speculative, but I don't think that our, our boy Snyder got $3 million to show up. So that's kind of a bummer for him. Poor but Armin. He did great. And I love that Xander says that. I, did I ever tell you how much I thank you, you for having him stay my snake? Yeah. Yeah, I just his dad. I mean, the, like that's okay. no way out. Mm. And the dad comes down. That shit was that was re- like his eyes going down. Like that's probably the most affecting part because that's where it just like it was so real. And Do you feel so any sympathy up. for Xander in that? Because like we've kind of hinted that he he's maybe he's in got a bad house. home life. Yeah. yeah, like the, like he sleeps outside and stuff. Right for the um for amends we see, we see that he's sleeping outside. Right, yeah, right. Um, I mean that's probably the most upsetting scene in this episode. Yeah. Considering they have an ancient slayer hunting and killing them <laughs> in their dreams. Scalping. Scalping people, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is upsetting. It makes me wish that we saw more of that yeah. side of Xander because I think it would help, like, characterize him and humanize him because he's really just kind of like the schlocky joke guy for most of the show. But we do learn from a lot of comedians and stuff. I mean, they be, kind of become the schlocky joke guy to cover up yeah. you know, all that stuff. So I think it, it does work because there's enough there. Where they've laid out like, hey, my home life's not great. Yeah. My dad's not great. And I it's don't. Like, I mean, I think it's shocking because you've never seen it before, so you're not expecting it. But it makes sense because he literally lives in his parents' house mm-hmm. and you've never seen his parents. Mm-hmm. But it's something I wish we would expand upon further. Yeah. Come on, put your back into it. A watcher scoffs at gravity. Next up is Giles. What do we do? What's the first thing that happens to Giles? We go straight to the carnival, right? We have the, the empty apartment. Where he's doing the hypnotism thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this mm. is the way that men and women have behaved. And then right? Buffy. Ha, ha, ha. That, which was great. Did scary you laugh. Cut the scary, scary, scary laugh. laugh. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I Apparently, love SMG. I love her. She's Jackson so great. I was making funny faces at her for oh, the laugh board. I don't care. That's, I, that that's, nice? sounds horrible. But we go straight to the fair where I Olivia is pregnant. Joss did not comment about okay. that at all. I was going to ask about this. So she's crying over what looks like a baby stroller. Right. She's pushing, pushing an empty baby stroller throughout the whole little carnival. And I didn't think twice about it because I just thought Buffy's the de facto kid. The kid right. is out of there. Like Buffy would be sitting there. Yeah, right. She Theoretically, she all. wasn't actually a girl, yes. Right. And the vampire, I am a vampire, I says Drac. Oh, foreshadowing for Buffy versus Dracula. <laughs> There's a point right there. Oh, that's, that's too much. <laughs> and we go into Spike's crypt again with Olivia, pregnant Olivia. Oh, Olivia, yeah. Fucking comment on. He's doing a photo shoot. I didn't say this fun little factoid, but apparently most people dream in pastel colors, mm. which I don't know that I ever have. Me either. This maybe, is the teeth thing all over again. Maybe. Everyone dreams about the teeth falling out. Never. Pastel colors. Can't, pastel can't. teeth falling out of your mouth. Mm. That's upsetting. Everyone's just upset about the Easter Bunny slash tooth fairy. Yeah, right. But also apparently a small percentage of people only dream in black and white. Mm. Interesting. Like only exclusively dream in yeah. black and white. Huh. Huh. Fascinating. Not me. Not me. I was really waiting for Joss to say even just a little throwaway line about why Olivia is pregnant because clearly that's a choice. I would think it's a choice that he made because he's doing a, a dream. Could she just be pregnant in real life and they didn't care? Oh, that could have been it. I didn't consider that even for a second. Cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe there, was, maybe there was more and it got cut. I mean, we're going to cut yeah. something. This seems like it probably had a lot of stuff, so you probably made some choices. Maybe it was cut. just the whole Giles is a family man, dad, yeah. person. She is so. in Olivia. Or he's letting go of like his one shot at having a family. Right. So, well, I mean, like, so that's what Giles' whole dream is about. Yeah. What do I do? Do I go back to England and be the family guy? Because Olivia's supposed to represent the England. What am I supposed to do with all this? Yes. Or do I 
stay here? Do I become a rock star? Oh, Do we think that the cheese guy uh, is he's got four really like fire lines, or does each one of his cheese comments is it for the four intended people? No, I guess he doesn't say anything for Buffy's, right. but yeah, no, Joss put that in there just to be absurd. Like that okay. was like the thing that's supposed oh, to I said, no, I mean, a dream thing that didn't where the cheese it does not wear me. That's classic, but. Yeah, I, I want to read more into this processed cheese. Is what that's I'm saying. The man in the iron mask. I wear the mask. It does not wear me. That's why he took that line. Hey, but that's the Leonardo DiCaprio. Movie. It is, mm-hmm. which I've never seen. Uh, Olivia is in every or mentioned, mentioned or in every episode that Joss Whedon wrote this season. So he must like the character enough not to mention why she was pregnant. Or... Maybe everybody else hated her, and it's like How I'm putting could a, you? putting Olivia on this one. No. How could say. you? So from the fair we go to to the bronze, where we're gonna get rockstar channels. I absolutely love that that it's and that this is where it sort of comes together because like they the two of them have had a dream and they're in his dream, so it's like which is great. We are going in order, so now we've established at least like a linearness to it, and I just love them <laughs> just him singing directions and just holding up the fire the lighters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Very funny. And again, where it's like obvious, I I, I like I. I'm, hesitant to call it symbolism because it's so obvious it just is there like his living room is at the bronze because he is debating do i which do i be a rock star or be a watcher as if there's an option for the former Bro, you're doing open mics and playing acoustic oh, rock. You're not going to be a goddamn rock star. This you, is not a lucrative or realistic career path. I feel like you're telling your own self that you can't be a rock star. How dare you say Just what Giles can't be? Oh, that's what he, he said. said. Oh, I was going to no, say. No, he huh? didn't say that. He said between him being a rock star or or being a watcher, and I said, mm-hmm. how could you possibly be a rock star? You're right. That wasn't me. Wow. <laughs> that's rude. That's so we rude. get watcher or father, family guy, and we get... Rockstar or Watcher. It's almost like he's going to maybe go back to England because he can't handle us anymore. Again, point. Because that does happen. It does happen. Uh, what was so a Willow says, you know, we also like weighing on Giles' conscience. I like when she's like, you know, this is your fault. It was good. It was good. I just like it. I just like, and Giles is and immediately also a very Giles 10 of 10 sort of shit where he's like, we got to think of the facts, Willow. <laughs> Like, you've been hiding behind facts all the time, Ripper. You just got to live, man. You just got to live. Let it go. We get a Christophe Beck cameo. He's the person actually playing the piano. And uh, who's the rest of the band, Daniel? The Beatles. Four Star Married, the Four actual Star. band from Dingo's Eat My Baby. So it's all oh, them wow. on the stage together. Joss point. Wrote, <laughs> point. Very important point. Uh, Joss Whedon wrote the song. He did a rough, you know, whatever four chords he did. And then Christophe Beck took it and actually made uh, an arrangement. It's strange. It's not like anything we've faced before. It seems familiar somehow. Of course. The spell we cast with Buffy must have released some primal evil that's come back seeking. I'm not sure what Willow looked through the chronicles for some reference to a
The scalping shit was intense. Uh, so he found her... A pocket watch that he was him. A pocket watch. Oh, yeah. right, from the beginning. Shit, okay. So, yeah, yeah, so was... he... His end is trying to find an answer. Right. In the tangled mass. In the tangled mass. Oh, my God. Answer, can't find the end. And then get scalped because he's not. And the scalp was awesome. It was fucking The blood was ridiculous, but I feel like you get away with it because it's a dream. True. I'm glad they didn't have him scalped. Well, I guess we don't see him again. Oh, yeah, that would be fucking dark if, like, he was back in Buffy's house and scalped. People have been scalped and they live. I mean, you can live and be scalped and they, like, they're, it's grim, apparently. Like, the hair, like, growing back in, like, wisps and stuff because some skin, like, survived better than others. But, yeah, there's just, it's like a fucking scar on your head. New, so Giles, that stuff. Let's move on. The guys aren't here, are they? We were gonna hang out and watch movies. You lost them. No. No. I think they need me to find them. Buffy's dream. I would say the best and most important dream, obviously. You think it's the best dream? Yeah, I do. I think that visually and musically we do the coolest, maybe not visually, but definitely musically we do the coolest stuff. This is like for me, especially the, the opening with Tara and her making the bed is a dream within a dream because I you know I fucking love that faith dream stuff. And here we are. It's coming back. And paying off so good. Just so, so good. yeah, the pointless thing is sounding really nice right now. <laughs> I kind of want to get in that camp. Uh, I'm <laughs> But like the point of the show is is in Buffy's dream. But first we got to do the Tara stuff. We're again, we're. I like Tara being here. I like her. I mean, we talked about it earlier with Angel, but like. I genuinely like that they utilized her. I, I really do. Just, like, I think it would be worse if it were for Angel it. just because it would bring so much baggage. Sure. I think you have an obligatory Buffy loves Angel moment if Angel's around just by the nature of it, even though we're like, yeah. you just have to. She's also semi-mysterious. Like, we've definitely hung out with her a lot, but even her saying, I stuff. don't, you don't know about me, baby. Right, she can read auras. Right, yeah, right. I so she's, she's still perfect. a mysterious character where it's like, maybe she's like part of this, yeah, right? You don't because then Dawn becomes something like that. So it's like, it's really not far-fetched in the end because you know that Dawn becomes a character like that. That's like, you're here to do a thing. Well, what if Tara was part of that? And maybe she is and don't, don't spoil it. And, <laughs> don't, I genuinely, genuinely don't know. Uh, and I just, yeah, I just enjoy any excuse to bring Tara back, like, f- further into the fold. I'm, I'm into. Well, we also get her doing the voiceover at the end for the first time. Right. Where, what is it? You think you know what's to come, what you are. You haven't even begun. And I already... Point. Ex- point. <laughs> Very important point. Uh, and I already explained at the beginning, at the top of the episode. Be back before dawn. That's very obvious. The clock. Less obvious. But I love that. I but love the say, clock paying off. Uh, where fuck it's the like, clock. Fuck the clock. What? That's so great. We're Little Miss Buffy counting down from 730. If we want to give David Fury and Joss Whedon any credit and believability that they really did know Buffy was going to die in two years and that really was intentional, that was a cool moment. You know what they also could have done? It's what Breaking Bad did, which is that they wrote themselves into a corner and then they remembered, oh, we wrote ourselves into a corner, so we got to pay it off. I'm, I'm so I'm sure they just made it up and they fucking were like, oh, we said that thing before. Yeah. We got to do this. You're right. Which is how writing is. That's how writing works. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do every episode. And then we talked about in the Echo Factor that they did that and then immediately had to wreck on in the next episode. Yeah. So. Morale's a problem. And then we move on to... Joyce living in a wall. Oh, yeah, that's right. What's that about? I love that one because Joyce in a wall is excellent. Anyway, we just uh, look at Joyce in In my notes, one of the only things they wrote was Joyce belongs in the walls. 
I mean, amen. I feel completely. But I also... It's about how present she is in Buffy's life. Well, I also think it's the opposite. The other way, too, which is that she's... After saying, like, oh, I'm getting tickled by a mouse or whatever. And she's like, it's not really that bad here. I'm learning Mahjong. Like, it's fine. And then she sees the person and she's like, I'm not listening to you, mom, anymore. <laughs> and as she's walking away, she's like, you could just break down the wall, I guess. But I guess I'll just live here. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, what a better, like, encapsulation of both of their characters and their dynamic. Like, and it's going to really be sad in, in the body for something like this, too, because this is it. Buffy and Joyce. Joyce is an absent-minded, terrible mom as we've laid out for four years but that's the truth she can break down the wall she can do more as well as a daughter and she does not she well, literally walks she, away it's well amazing. she also wants Joyce to be protected maybe she's in a wall but at least something's getting to no, her no she didn't hear that except for the mice she, yeah she didn't hear that That, that she was checked out she was yeah. watching that person walk up the stairs uh, Riley or whatever yeah she was she like, wasn't like you're safer here mom and exactly or something. and she said I don't want you to be there yeah. I don't want you to be there and maybe you need to be there. Maybe that's the the implication. I, I can I can see you're saying that, but that's not how that was read. Oh, yeah. That was I'm not a good daughter. Go. You're not a good mom. But that's not even the point. Joyce is like great scores in this one. She's a great mom in this one. Uh, I'm aware. And then where do we go next? Riley. Riley is a surgeon general. Does that make sense? That's right. <laughs> I thought that was all so fun. I love seeing Adam without his fucking garb on. Yeah, that was great. He see, looked like such a '90s boy. Oh, I yeah. loved it. I'm glad that we get to see him without his makeup because you, famously, in this podcast, have said that dude must be huge. He's not huge. Not huge. That's just wild. He's tall, though. He's very yeah, tall. He's probably. very tall. Yeah. yeah. But he's not built. It was cool. And it was, uh, for me, I did not know this was coming. I forgot this entire scene. Oh, yeah. And it was really cool to see him because at first I was like, oh, I recognize that guy. And it took me it took me a second, genuinely. So I like that, that they're not like overt. Later they confirm it's Adam if you had any doubts. Mm-hmm. But... It was nice right at the beginning. You just weren't totally sure. Buffy, we've got important work here. A lot of filing, giving things names. What was yours? Before Adam. Not a man among us can remember. The demons have escaped. Please run for your lives. This could be trouble. We better make a fort. I'll get some pillows. Dish forgot too, and she was like, is... Is that Adam? Yeah. And then I had a moment where I was like, wow, he's creepier as a human. Too bad they made him a half demon. But I didn't say that part out loud. Yes. Just said it was hard to shoot the little gunshot with Riley uh, under the table, but they loved it so much. I, I mean, they put it in the credits sh- for next season. So. I love the Zoom. Oh, no, it's in the credits. Come on, Joss, get out of here. Baby, we're the government. It's what we do. <laughs> Buffy, we have a lot of work filing, giving things names. This could be trouble. We'll make up for it. I'll so get something the Joss apparently didn't intend, but a fan brought up to him later, and he was like, sure, of course, yes. Uh, at the beginning, <laughs> Willow and Tara were talking about, we need to find her name. She'll tell us when she's ready. Talking about the cat, ostensibly, baby mm. John, who knows, whatever. But they're like, she'll tell us her name when she's ready. And that was like the female approach. And then the male approach is, we name stuff. Fair enough. And he was like, yeah, sure, that's what it, yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Anyway, they're going to make a fort, and it's going to be okay. It's going to rate, yeah. But over the loudspeaker... Run for your lives. Yes. And Buffy goes to get the weapons, but it's all... Well, she also whispers, too. I don't know. Oh, right. Yes. It's like yelling. I have weapons. What was that about? Weird terror moment of complete uselessness (laughs) for no reason. And then it was a bag of cement. I mean, that's what I read. It it does super look like quick cement. Yeah. And I think that's the metaphor. it was supposed to be like... Mud. I mean, well, obviously it is because she puts it on her. Josh face, says but it, it looks like some looks like a facial. I think okay. that is like actually like a 
facial. <laughs> I just read it oh, as cement yeah, like, as like, like this is. Yeah, you'd put like Aztec clay on your face. Because at that point, Riley, the real Riley comes in right after that as she's putting on all the stuff. And I think that's Buffy being insecure about her own relationship even with Riley because he walks in and he's just like appalled by her slayerness, right? She's like the slayer now putting putting this on. Maybe she doesn't know that in the moment. Buffy doesn't know that. But I mean, putting that on subconsciously or whatever this this is, I, I just see Riley being over. He, he doesn't want anything to do with her slayerness. And obviously we know that that's an insecurity of Riley's and which she knows about. So I think that there's a, a little bit of that going on too. And he just said, bye. Which he will do in season five, point. Uh, also, we get a little homage to Faith there too, where he says, okay, killer. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're a killer. I am not a killer. I am the Slayer. And you don't know the first thing about me. Buffy, I think, has a little bit of nerve. Like, she saw Faith really give in to that, like, those bad inclinations, the power, the power that could consume her. And she's like, no, I won't do that. And so Riley being like, okay, killer, like, oh, shit, maybe this is something. And saying, Adam even saying, uh, is that a fact? And she's like, I'm not a demon. Yeah, I know. I know and then we, I was going on to learn, oh, actually, that is the source of your power. Right. It's like... Oh, shit. Well, she is. I mean, if, if that is the source of it all, she is a killer. She right. is a demon in a way. But it doesn't. And the whole point is Buffy saying, I that doesn't define me. Right. I don't want. I don't need to be a part of that. Yeah. So I and think that's, that's the, the that's whole point. That's the whole thing. We're going into the desert. Point. <laughs> point. We're going into the desert. We're going to have a very, very ill-outfitted Tara be the voice of <laughs> Senea. <laughs> yeah. Why? I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if people didn't like Amber Benson. If there was like a personal grudge going on here, but they dress this woman so poorly, consistently, it seems, it's appalling. I spent this entire scene thinking this is like some weird racism we've got going on. I mean, they put her in some sort of like pseudo Indian, Indian yeah. mystic fortune teller. My theory thing. is, and then I mean I know why, but like Sinead is black, but then oh, yeah. like tribal black, and yeah. like aggressive and she doesn't use words like she doesn't have language and you have to have a white woman speak for her and like a lot of weird layers that yeah. i was like turning over in my head while yeah this, this whole thing scene is happening better than this whatever is going on with amber benson was you just ignore yeah ignore it's quick hard to really ignore that like the racial component of it especially when they're like constantly referring to her as the primitive however this was supposed to be like in a time where like the, the this is thousands of, of years ago, right? This is like she's yeah. Oh yeah, literally birth of humanity yeah. came from Africa, that, so it's like it, that's yeah, all valid, that but it does feel sense. weird. I will give you that. Um, for Amber Benson, personally, I think that it's they punish her for not being a size zero, and they're like, all we have is the outfits that fit Willow and Buffy. Oh, here you can have this pink towel. You discover she's the first. She's the first slayer. It's amazing, which is incredible. Yes. Now, this is the point of the show. This is the point of this episode, and this is something that will last not only to the end of this series, mm, but the comic books as well, and the entire point of uh, of the concept of the Slayer. It starts here. This thing that is the lore of the entire show, the lore that I've been hoping for for this whole show, we actually finally explain that there was a, a line prior to this, that this came from somewhere. It didn't come from nowhere, and we've, we've seen her. There she is. She's the first. There was a first. Buffy's a part of the like we know ostensibly that she's part of this line, but here she is. 
I don't find it that impactful because in the last episode, they already say there's a source of her power. We know there has to be. I just, I find the Sinea thing so uncomfortable because it's so racialized. Like she has to be black, but not just black, very dark skinned. But then we have to give her scary face makeup and dreads and wrap her in this weird wrapping, which I don't, I don't know anything about early humans, but I don't think that's what they'd be wearing. Like, probably naked. You're trying to say, probably well, naked. I'm being true to what would actually be, but then like actually trying to make her more of a monster. And I get like she's more demon than Buffy, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I find the whole image really problematic and steeped in a lot of like racial connotations in a negative way that I don't like. I don't like this portrayal of the first layer. I don't really find this revelatory. I just sit here thinking that this is like uncomfortable and racist. If Buffy exists, there had to be the first one at some point, right? So that's not necessarily revelatory, but to see her for the first time mm. is really like a big deal. And why it matters, what the point really is, is that this is gonna send Buffy on a journey. Like this, this is why we get chosen at the, the end of the, of the series is because she wanted to tap into that thing. She wanted to know more about herself and what it means to be the Slayer and where this power comes from and all that kind of stuff. And that happens right here. Well, she's also told in this what it is to be the Slayer. Make her speak. I have no speech, no name. I live in the action of death, the blood cry, the penetrating wound. I am destruction, absolute, alone. Slayer. The first. The terrible CGI <laughs> cards with like a superimposed image. What the fuck was this? I mean, you had to do it some way. We're trying to say that. Get a picture. You have headshots of them. Just do a headshot no, of like. It was live. But they're moving. Yeah, they're moving. It's a video. Oh, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> I hate it. But I mean, you know, and she's like, alone. I'm not alone. And then everything's dawning on her that it's like, dawning. Um. Ah! That I don't have to, we don't have to be like that, which is the whole point of the show, right? Yeah. I'm I'm different than all the other Slayers because I have my friends and I'm looking at my friends. So yeah, it was, it was I thought it was cool to just have the first Slayer and what what people think the Slayers are like and what the vampires approach the Slayers as, and that's like what they are in a way. But like she is different than all of them, and I just again it's an underline on something that has already been stated for sure. But it was so cool to just see it. I think you could have had I think you could have had a version of the first layer that isn't just look at this savage monster. That's a, that that's a good isn't point. playing completely into racial stereotypes about, you know, what we think about black people yeah, and all of those things and like painting the face and right. having Tara speak for her. Like you didn't have to do that. Yeah. Well, to they also still have a double down at the very end. Uh, also, in terms of hair care. You really want to say, what kind of impression am I making in the workplace? Because I just find it, I don't know, Teutonic. Because of that, I feel like, <laughs> nice. Uh, I feel like Angel might have been better in this scene only because I don't think they would have had Angel speak for her. I think they would have had Angel speak about her. Like, they would have been like, Angel would have been like, you know, I fucking know everything because I'm eight million years old or whatever. Yeah. And be like, she's the first. Of course she is. Like, why don't you know? Yeah. Whatever. I think they would have shied away from her speaking for her. And then Sine would have piped in and still probably looked at no friends. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, she knows that English, but. <laughs> Not enough to hold like, Why would you know any language? Mm, like, yeah, that's yeah. the whole point. Uh, yeah. for, for me, yeah. I mean, definitely with not only that, but also just they cut, away, they cut that joke like 
that's basically her waking up at that moment. Oh, the hair thing. Like the most charitable explanation for me. And again, all, everything you said is totally something to think about throughout the whole show. Uh, but for me, I, I saw it as um, being charitable. I saw her basically like dunking on her foe. You know, like at the end, she always has She's quips. always quippy. She's always quippy. Yeah. And so in this in this case right here, it was almost like she's about to give her quip. She's about to do her yeah. thing. And the real is, you know, she wakes up basically like, you didn't vanquish an enemy, right? You are the enemy. You are the slayer. So in a way, like you don't have a quip because there there is no quip. I don't know if any of that makes any sense. But it's still really important Yeah. for the mythology of the show. And you can't take well, that away. I would, the only counter I would have for your mythology of the show is that i it's it, you, we really can't have it all the ways like we want to celebrate the lore but th- it is bullshit and they didn't care about it forever mm. and they won't care about it again just as quickly so you know it's like i i'm with you i like it i like i enjoy that but i'm not going to celebrate i'm not going to pat them on the back for being again, like i'm going to talk about stuff in the past this would have really really paid off if in the gift we redo this fucking enjoining spell because throughout the whole season five, she's done nothing but like she and she does, she starts going back to training. Giles is a watcher again. Like she does do that piece of it, but she doesn't really do this. I'm part of a something bigger than myself, and I'm part of this line of people that I should and can obviously tap into mm-hmm. when the, the need arises. I think that would have been a lot more satisfying if she like like because I've learned because I spent the time to try to figure out all this shit. I've become this thing. I think that this, if we're, because we know the whole series, I I kind of like this ending and everything because it does leave a lot of question marks because in my head, T- uh, Tara, my head, Buffy is going to reject the, what's being um, offered by the first Slayer, right? I'm not absolute incarnate death. I'm not any of that stuff. I don't know what that looks like because we've kind of already been doing that. Well, she so that does, to me she sounds like more really of the same. Really fucked up, which is you're not the source of me. That's, that is not true. Yeah, I know, but but you get what she's saying, you know, like I'm I'm not going to be defined right. by you your absolute death. I'm not going to be defined by that. And all we really use Sinea for going forward with the exception of season seven where she actually learns about how the first slayer was created, uh, is is season five she's used to be like kind of a like death is your gift. That's why she knows she's supposed to save Dawn. Mm. Death is your gift. You have to kill yourself to save her. Like we could have done. We could I can't wait more. for the gift. I can't wait to. Mm. Hey, next year. Joss said that they knew they were going to be picked up, mm. so that's you know part of the reason why they did this in the first place. But he also said, which what you heard, and you were like, "Well, I'm not variated." That if this were the, I knew we'd be picked up, but if this was the last episode we ever did, I would be totally fine with it. Cool. How do you feel about that? If this were in fact the last episode of Buffy, I, I that would be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, how many great shows that get cut off? You know, there's tons of great shows that get cut off. And now we get a lot of them brought back, sometimes for no reason. But there's plenty of great TV shows that ended before their prime. Would this be a satisfying ending for you? Because I like it. I, I mean, what it would, if the comics continued, see, that's the thing too. Like, I would assume that if it didn't go on, the comics probably would have picked up. And you, in theory, could go out and find another world. But if there was no other story beyond that... It leaves a lot to your imagination. I mean, it does set all of our characters essentially in a in a really well wrapped up story. Everybody got an underline to their entire character arcs, and you just would make up you know fanfic. I'm sure people would be writing the shit out of this stuff. Yeah. Um, as to what season five would could have been and looked like, and you would have had her, and you would have had people who she becomes the ultimate slayer or she doesn't. You know, 
So I think that's satisfying from like a, I'm a fan and there's probably a community of people that also love the show. I think that it would be cool to have a cool cliffhanger and not like Sunnydale is leveled, you know, because then you have to like go back and write a period piece or something. You can't write something continuing on the story, right? You can tell a, tell a story with your characters in the world. It's like Harry Potter fan fiction, you know? Yeah. It was always fun when you didn't have the new book because you could pretend this is the book. Yeah. But now you would have to like tell the story from the past, right? Which you already know. The, the, the connotations of what's to come. So it's it's cool if it ended because you wouldn't know. But it's just another, it would be another TV show to lament and say, this was the great TV show that got canceled before its prime. And I think it would still live in infamy as a, as a great show. Stacia, you were outraged by that comment, but then also dissatisfied with this episode made mostly being an underline of what we already knew. Mm. Mm. So why is this dissatisfying as a finale? I I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about this. My first thought is this feels like the epilogue of the Harry Potter series and Buffy is naming her child Albus Severus mm-hmm. Potter. Like, I don't like... This is all extra stuff we don't need because we already know these things. Um, Except for the Slayer stuff. I think, I think the problem is I would not find this to be a good series finale. I mean, I don't like this episode. I think I would have fewer problems with it if it was in the middle of a season. It's unsatisfying to get this far and be like well where have we even really gotten nowhere like that's what this episode feels like it doesn't feel satisfying like i really like the very beginning before they fall asleep because it feels cozy it feels like you know we've come back together (laughs) as like a family and we're like we're having our moment and it's like really satisfying and then we get all of this like confused jumble my comeback for lack of a better word to that would be i view it the opposite way entirely like I feel like Willow has grown so much and then to see, turns out she's not. Like, she is still scared. She's still this long-haired, sophertized Sears person we met in the very first episode. Xander, like, he's still in the same position where he's a loser, but, like, he's self-aware. I feel like when we first meet him, he's okay with being that guy and maybe not even asking the questions of, can I do more? Is there more? Like, he's not dissatisfied with being basement guy when we first meet him. And I feel like Giles had a clear path, an idea of who he was supposed to be. This is really easy. I'm a watcher. I'm going to mentor this girl. And then throughout these four years, I'm fired. I don't know who I am. I'm this this guy who wears sweaters and maybe acoustic. And I have an earring. There's a pinky ring. I can't even get into it. Buffy, somebody who at first was resistant to her calling, wanted to be, you know, just like this kind of little vapid teenage girl kind of thing. I mean, be a vapid teenage girl that's fine but like that's she didn't want to do this destiny thing meet kendra and she's like i'm that's not me man this is not this is just a job i don't give a shit and then to come full circle and be like i want to know where i come from i remember the drill one slayer dies next one's called wonder who she is will you train her or will they send someone else to say how he's gonna kill me I think it'll hurt I I will straight up say that this if this was the series finale if I ever rewatched the show I would not watch this episode like the end would be episode 21 if I knew that this episode if I knew that this was canceled after season four like they didn't they thought they were gonna be picked up and they weren't and this was the end that is the huge difference I think this this series will be lionized and people will love the ending because it wasn't their choice Maybe. that's that's how I read it. But if it That's was Joss's true. choice, then I think that you're going to have instant alienation because you didn't even a little bit attempt to resolve anyone's anything. And at the end of an overwhelming... At the end of 
uh, at the end of a season. Exactly. At the end of a bad season. And it's like, yeah. oh, well, I get why you're canceled, right? And you're like, yeah. oh, this is Game of Thrones thing. It's like, uh, yeah. you know, you have a oh, bad totally. end of a season. And you're yeah. like, I'm never going to talk about a it terrible again. Terrible end of the last Perfect. episode. Correct. Yeah. That's yeah, I think really Game of Thrones analogy. is really the, I think, lost before Game of Thrones. Which is, yeah. A finale can really kill your show. Yeah. But there is a difference between being canceled and choosing to end your show that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And now TV is so different because Parks and Rec operated under I'm going to be canceled every year. Right. So they went out of their way to and they make had to everything. Their best shit and they out did. Every time. And they did. And I think most shows today, you're you're not like, you're not making a season without putting out. 13 episodes, right? I mean, they're all binged now. So you might not know if you get another season or not, so you can still make the choice to make it, like, satisfying or not. But at least you also know you have episodes. Like, Buffy can get canceled episode 18. Like, we're not making any more, right? So it's like, you're also playing with fire, too, in the network model, which is what they were operating under, which most shows today don't operate under that. And especially not shows like this. That's true. You know, they're more procedural, easy to make, and it's just like, you know, you can churn them out. I would think that I... Me right now, I would say that I would be okay with this being the end, if I'm honest, just because I don't mind ambiguity and I don't mind... I don't mind that either. ...no resolution. I, I don't mind ending with a question that doesn't bother me at all. But I'm also bringing to it the knowledge of, I know what happens to Willow and Tara. Like, I know I know all those things. I can't unknow them. So sure. maybe I mean, I'm only at peace with it because I know that's not the end. So it's easy for me to say, it, I'm okay with this being the end, but I know the real end. Yeah. To be fair to this episode, this would be a better end for Willow and Tara. Amen. <laughs> true fact. Somehow our joining with Buffy and invoking the essence of the, the Slayer's power was an affront to the source of that power. You know, you could have brought that up to us before we did it. I did. I said there could be dire consequences. Yes, but you say that about chewing too fast. Uh, in this time of turmoil, I'm going to preempt everything just to... So we can get out of the way and just to let you know that we're real podcasting. You can find us everywhere at Beat Me Pod. That's Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. We have a website, bbpod.wordpress.com. That's now more important than ever because it's the end of the season. And maybe you're like, hey, what were your rankings and shit? I would like to know. I don't know that we're going to do a season recap. So bbpod.wordpress.com. That'll show all the rankings so you can know. And I know you want to know. But you can also, talking about music and how great the music is in this episode, you won't find that on Spotify. But what you will find is our playlist. And that's beat me hyphen Fun time playlist for podcast fans, season four. It'll contain all music that's not just Christophe Beck's score that is available on Spotify. It will also contain any music that is played within our episode. Thank you so much. And it's the last season four. I'm excited for season five. Oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'll deliver yeah. it differently. Maybe it'll be season. beat me hyphen fun time playlist for podcast fans. Season five, sir. Season five. That, that's worse. That's worse. Let's move on to yelling. As if we haven't done enough. Buffy has a Beck poster, so she likes Beck. That was the last thing I wrote, because that was like the last thing we see. Yeah. I, do you see? She likes And you're right, this is unsatisfying, because this is a rehash of everything we know. What we don't actually know wow. is Buffy's interests and likes. Um, Willow grabbed one of those delicious looking chocolate and vanilla sandwich cookies, ate one bite, and promptly fell asleep. Holding, <laughs> clutching it to her chest. <laughs> Adorable. Giles had the presence of mind to take his glasses off and yeah. managed to keep them in his grip right. the entire time he was sleeping. Good what if him. she was eating? And Until, he was Until he well, was scalped. Well, that'll so fuck you up. Geez, Darkly. Nice. Shake them right out of your hand. <laughs> Another cookie? Uh, I've rolled down really big hills before, too. Uh, <laughs> I did it at the Oregon, the Oregon Dunes, the Dunes. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. in Florence. Yeah, yeah. Then they're 
you know, yeah. like that time. Yeah. Oh, so that very was, fun. That was oh. one take. Like so he was like, "Thank God we got this. We had three cameras on it because oh, once they the... roll down, it's fucked." Like, oh you, sure. You're gonna have to redo everybody's makeup, everyone's get all the sand yeah. off everybody. So yeah, that was. And I don't know if it was the same dub- stunt double as we talked about mm. last week. I'm not sure if it was. And you didn't see her face almost at all. No. So. Well, you can get really creative in this one, you know, like before you're fighting in a tiny room. So, right. uh, you know, that was really cool. And it's fun to roll down hills. So. Yeah, totally. That's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. Point station. Um, I don't remember what this was in reference to, but I wrote my oatmeal. That was this wet cement. The wet cement. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Oh. That's right. She was very excited. She's like, my oatmeal and rubs it on her face. <laughs> and then we get the weird fucking... Uh, was it the, the, the thermal? The x-ray yeah. sort of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Like the, I don't know what that's called. Yeah. It worked out well. And I... Uh, we saw four movies at the very end. Uh, <gasps> one of them I was Prom Night. Oh, so you do get to see the movies at the yeah. end. 1980 Prom Night from Wikipedia. Uh, it's a 1980 Canadian slasher film directed by Paul Lynch, written by William Gray, starring Jamie Lee Curtis Did and Leslie Nielsen. Did we talk about this in the prom? No, because it wasn't. Why we? Do, why would we talk about every prom? Because Tucker used slasher movies specifically, prom night. Oh, maybe. To oh no, the we didn't talk. I've never heard of this in my life. Wow. Okay. Uh, the plot follows a group of high school seniors who are targeted at their prom by a mass killer seeking vengeance for the accidental death of a young girl six years earlier. Oh wow. Um, this one became a hit later on uh, as a cult following, uh, especially for its disco soundtrack. Is it? Noise. Is it for British guys or chick flicks? Right. Great well, boy. What, the, what category does that go into? Xander, what the fuck? Well, I, yeah, this, it, it doesn't fit in either unless the British mean slasher movies. This is considered one of the most influential slashers of the period. The I have never seen it, and I fucking love a slasher. Uh, right. Apocalypse Now, of course, we know that. Retelling of uh, Heart of Darkness, 1899. Thelma and Louise, we all know that. Directed by Ridley Scott. Oh, that's one at the bottom. Gina Davis as, as Thelma and Susan Sarandon as Louise. I learned that for the first, this is the last movie uh, as of today. So the, 1991 is when it came out. That the two actors, either actors or actresses, were both nominated for the best of. Oh, no shit. Yeah, so that's the last film to have anything like that. And in 2016, this is now in the United States Library of Congress. Nice. As a aesthetically important film. Uh, and Astral Girl is made up, not a movie. Oh, really? So, Astral Girl is not a thing. Couldn't find a fucking thing. Wow. I uh, typed it in for that choice. and for Buffy, you know, hoping at that yeah. point for the Wikipedia or whatever, the Buffy Wikia, nothing. Nothing. Huh. I think it's totally made up. And Weird that's probably the, the chick flick or whatever. Who knows? Astral Girl. Like you couldn't get a sounds like movie. a Disney Channel original movie. Yeah. <laughs> You've got mails right there. You got mails right it's there. It's right there. Two thousand, yeah. baby. Let's go. The last thing, just to uh, bring it up, I forgot to even say on Six Feet Under, there's an episode Ecotone, where Nate dies. Right. There's that's dream sequence as well. Oh, well, yeah, I guess, Nate but he's is, also dead. I but that still yeah. counts. I mean, I thought about that Grey's Anatomy. They have a couple Grey's, of episodes sure, where sure. they have like dream sequences, but it's like people that are dead and yeah are dying. Yeah, that, and yeah, yeah. that one. But the sort same of. sort of, yeah. Or and then the only comedy one I could find was Happy Endings, the show Happy Endings, Cocktails and Dreams. Um, the new cocktail, Dave, one of the characters, gives everybody they're trying out his new cocktail at his uh, his um, food Stay, cart. Take me home, take me home time. Yep, and uh, they're all drinking it and they're all having sex dreams about him. Oh. And it's all just one person at a time, and we don't know why it is, but it's because of the drink. Everybody's drinking it and they're like, "What's in this drink?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's turpentine." Snake juice. So everyone's drinking turpentine. And the only person not to do it was Alex because she was going through a cleanse. She was, she was the only one that never had it. And she almost got married to him. It's funny. That show's great. We're what a funny show. What a funny fucking show. I like to be updated on my watches even though I'm pretty sure I'm going to be dissatisfied because I have something to yell at you about that I didn't include in my yell. Yes. 
Xander, construction outfit watch. No, he's a food cart guy. So no. He's a construction thing. Ice cream. What is that? You said food truck. Ice I don't cream know. Truck. Ice cream truck. Ice cream, not food. Now, so it's a you're you want to call back? He had he has his uh, button down tank top. Yeah, that wasn't the revelation. Keep on. Okay, good. On, uh, maroon on. jacket watch. I've got to know. No. Forrest <laughs> gave her the got a double. T- I'm fact checking <laughs> my. Forrest gave her Riley watch. No. It'll never not very, be true. The, it's yeah. It's it's always true. Out there in the world, but it's a no. See, you're naturally inclined to talk too much. Never. Uh, Chips Ahoy. No, there's no no mention of that. No mention of Devin either for the former Devin watch. Dauphin watch. No. Should lock your door. No. Sandy watch. No. No. (laughs) One season down. No Sandy. Michael Wick and Amy Goth watch. No. No. No goddamn witchcraft to the detriment of the rankings. Books a million. Yes. We have our dream book club at the bronze. Giles says Willow. What was it? Willow. Look through Chronicles. For reference to, to a warrior. warrior beast. Yes. It's amazing. Was that your revelation? There is a book that Willow picks up and that they're looking at throughout the scenes with Giles. On that book, the binding reads, Whoa. Mysteries of Akathla. This book has been in the show since season three and we have never clocked it. The first time, obviously, we look at it is because Angel comes back in Beauty and the Beasts. They look at the hey, Mysteries of Akathla to figure out why he's back from hell. And then cool. we do it again in Helpless and again in Choices and again in A New Man recently. And then now. Wow. And it's right there on the binding. It says Mysteries of Akafla. And I didn't look at it any of the fucking times. We've not been good that. librarians here. Streets Ahead, no. And bi- biggest KO for Giles. Hell yeah, I got scalped. For, does and it that's, count? Because it that, was a dream. Does it count? No. And if it doesn't count, then nothing. Giles did nothing this year. So he, uh, I know. beyond getting, again, hit by the, the shoe mash. That's, the, that's it. Fucking like, pangs. That's that the was episode eight. Of Giles. Right? <laughs> that was so long ago. Disappointing. So that was the watches. And keep your hands off the food. Oh, I'll try and restrain myself from eating uncooked potatoes and cranberries. It's time to rank this sucker. Now, I like this episode a lot. I hope I've illustrated the reasons why. Doesn't fit my ranking super great, but we're going to do our best. Willow hack slash we talk about the net. on a fucking computer this episode. And now does any of it count? Great, great point, Stacia, that you didn't say, but you said. Does any of it count? I don't know. But even dreams are real life. There is not a spell for well, a, a computer. <laughs> so you can't get around that one. It has to have a five. Because yeah. it doesn't happen. Anyway, unless we want to count lesbian chemistry, I mean, no. We don't. It's a five. Ow. <laughs> Riley ruins everything. And again, or b- choice. bonus. Joyce is a terrible mom. Joyce is a terrible mom. Now. Riley couldn't do it. Lucas got a haircut. Looks great. And yeah. he sure hey, got a haircut. Looks great. Okay, and that is Riley. <laughs> he did great getting a haircut. Uh, he also had the courtesy and foresight to not be in the episode. If mm. we're not counting the dreams, Lucas is there saying, man, what a I weird gotta time, go. man. I gotta go. <laughs> Goodbye. Great. Points for Riley. Next. Hope Joyce. I get an honorable discharge. Bye. <laughs> Joyce. Coco. Popcorn. Yeah, just her, her just like as a mom in this, sans the dream stuff. She basically like got everyone comfy. In there, in there. Took a little nap, and then everybody woke up, and she was like, "Oh, I'm here for you." Yeah, yeah. Oh, cocoa. oh, I, it seems like you guys have had a bad night. Yeah. I'm gonna make you some cocoa, Best Xander. Let's um, ever. Ten out of fucking ten. Whoa. Great job, Riley and Joyce, bringing it up here. We're not gonna dwell. Moving on, Giles. He's wearing corduroy pants. 
that's pretty drowsy. He has a pinky ring. Distressingly, that is canonically something Giles does. Uh, he Sorry. also says, I told you there could be dire consequences. Even chewing food. 10 out of 10. Oh, oh, the stats. Oh, how the... They've been juked. Monster of the week. The uh, first slayer. Uh, I, can I guess? 10 out of 10. 10, 10, 10, 10. out of 10. Look, <laughs> <laughs> this is something that... You're not even going to knock off one point for racism? Ooh. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> this has far-reaching consequences. The point, the point. Season 7, episode 22. Point, 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 point. This will matter. <laughs> oh, oh, I get the point. What we're learning is Faith is right. Buffy is a villain because all Slayers are villains because the first Slayer was a villain and that is the source of your power. She was not a villain. Faith. Demon. Faith is not a villain. No. But you just said oh. she's the villain of the episode. Mm. They're all villains. 10 out of 10. Relationship <laughs> Based on your perspective. <laughs> I get it. I get the point of this episode. Yes. Buffy's a villain. Our <laughs> friends are friends. They're great. We've sewn everything up in the together. Lo- they, 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 it's adorable. Defense. I'm not saying We already got all of our shit out of the way last episode. We're all friends. Listen, I, Kelly, I'm here to juke the stats. 10 out of 10. I love it. Let's go. You're goddamn right. Episode specific. You think you know. Ten ten. Ten. <laughs> What's to come? What you are? You haven't even begun. Ten of ten. Ten of ten. Tara says that in this episode twice. Uh, Dracula will say that next episode. And Al Ewan says that to Willow in season eight. Okay, Who? get out of here with this Dracula. That's great. Yes. And I don't know who's Who? that person. Al Ewan, she's like a snake demon that Willow falls in love with in season eight. Oh. oh. She leaves Kennedy for a snake demon. It's Wait, and says that. Great. Says that to Buffy, or she says that to Willow. To Willow, yeah. Oh, so it's just like a fun. Little, and it's like, not nod. like word for word. And even when Dracula says it, he reorders it to you. Think you know what you are and what's to come, as opposed to what's to come. Still, who you are. I love Count that. Ten out of ten. Great. That makes me even more excited for the point of this episode being yogurt that. machine sound right here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she listens to the podcast. Fifty five. Jesus Christ. That's high. That's mics. like up at the top. Passions and. It I think is. those were 55s. 55. 55. You know, the only episode of the season, there is another one that got 55, and that was Hush. But when I get to a tie, I get to pick what I want to do, and I put this as number one for the season. Right above Hush. What? Station, what did you rank this episode? I can't only imagine. <laughs> can't wait. And where does it? Immediately. And where Dark Age? Dark Age. Yeah. Oh, it's way below Dark Age. Ooh. Ooh. So out of 78 episodes <laughs> of the show so far. Yes. I ranked this at oh, no. 70. No. Six. Whoa. <laughs> See, these are the fun ones. Like, <laughs> I think we're so close on so many of them, but holy shit. This is, this will be, this is the, the, the chasm. Of, the chasm is unbelievable <laughs> right now for this one. Unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't tell me before this because <laughs> I was not ready for that. And that's one punch, and I'm going for the second punch. I know that one. I'm not going to feel the same way with the body, which I think was my number one before. I don't think I, I don't think you can watch that a second time, yeah, and, and feel and you and the way you presented it to me the first time was just like the right way to go. Like, hey, every, everything stops. Let's focus. It's the first episode we're watching. We're not going to be fucking drunk doing it. Like, mm-hmm. everything about that was so you know great, and that episode was so good, and that's why it stuck with me. But I don't think it's going to stick with me again. 
And you know what was number two last time? Restless. You know what's number one this time? Restless. No. Number one of 137, according to him, episodes. The best. Number one. The best episode because it God. is an encapsulation, an underline of everything we've done. And if you're going to have a top tenner, you know, I don't need all the superfluous fucking initiative shit. I can watch this and be like, oh, yeah, I'm reminded about how terrible the initiative was. I can be reminded about how tedious it was to go through this, hey, this thing and that thing. And yeah. And you're just like, oh, he's cowboy guy. Great. <laughs> Great. So, number one, overall. Yes. I don't think you'll regret that. I will not regret it. I really just now. Also, we talked about it for three hours. True. It's good. Because it's garbage. Because it has feelings. Because feelings. I think that's it. I think think Restless is in the books, I think. That's season four. God. In the books. Wow. For everyone out there listening, and they're like, (laughs) yes. Finally, I've got a voice because you are definitely the minority. Then you, then she is your champion. For the rest of us, we're feeling it right here. Man, it's real tough. It's I real really tough. want to hear. I God, I desperately want to hear from anyone else. Like, at Beam Me Pod, please, God, that hates this episode as much as Stacia hates this Woo. episode. Love it. Anyway, Daniel. And if you love it, let, let us know. Yeah, I mean, that's number one, number one. I, yeah. I need to know who's mad. <laughs> Uh, final thoughts? No, no final thoughts for me. It, my number speaks for itself, yeah, just like your true. number also speaks for itself. So I don't know what the equivalent of a, a fart yogurt noise is for me. <laughs> the opposite of fart I'll, yogurt noise. I'll figure it out. I live here. Well, that'll be your task over the summer because we aren't gonna see you again. He talk to you again until next season. Buffy versus Dracula. Yes, one of my favorite episodes. I'm sure that both of you will. But what a letdown from the best episode ever. Episode one. (laughs) True. We'll be a letdown. There's no there's no high there's no way to reach the heights of this one. I can't wait. Thank you so much for listening all season long. I did this one too. And I I can't wait to talk to you next time. But until then, stay here. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel. Say goodbye. Come on, put your back into it. A watcher scoffs at gravity. Oh man, I thought we were gonna go another direction. You can do it, put your back into it. You can do it, put your ass into it. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Leave on that note. Thank you so much for listening. Oh. Bye. There's a theme song on the ass. <laughs> <laughs>